2: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: We'll you the kids whispering and oh, whatnot. Please, I mean, come on, do it. You just identify like the stupidest part of the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and kids, and kids was talking about,
1: I will steal your soul. I will suck your asses. Okay, yeah, that's stupid right there. You can stop right now, man, if you just wanted, to. Please stop. Yeah. Because it's stupid. stupid. It was, stupid. It's
4: stupid
3: to say it. It was stupid. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching.
1: And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad.
0: Hello and welcome to a special episode of Syndicate. I am your host, Armand Haddad. This Halloween, we are shining the spotlight on the horror director, Jordan Peele. But before we fall into the sunken place, I am joined by a motley crew of genre lovers. Aaron, welcome to the show.
2: I've never been described as a genre lover, and it sounds somewhat seductive, so please <laughs> keep saying it. Yes. Happy to be here.
0: Yes. Doug? Hello. Welcome. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're back, too. And Rutch. Hey, everyone. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the show, everyone. Okay, so today we watched the Jordan Peele filmography and we spent the last month going through all of his movies, TV shows, all of his good stuff. So before we go into his directorial debut, let's talk about how we first heard about Jordan Peele. I think we all come at it from different perspectives. Aaron, I'll start with you. How did you first encounter Jordan Peele? For me, it was in high school, it was around 2010-ish, mm-hmm. um,
2: and I couldn't escape it because uh, I had everybody saying, I done messed up, A Ron. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yes. uh, that um, teacher sketch uh, was my first introduction, and um, <laughs> what an introduction it was. It was hilarious, and I kept uh, binge-watching all the other uh Peel sketches. So um, that was my first introduction, as these are comedy guys. And it kind of took me by surprise how Jordan Peele's career kind of yeah. changed direction. um. But yeah, I did not have the option of forgetting <laughs> Keen Peele.
0: Right. And yeah, me too, because I got into Keen Peele it was probably around the same time when that show launched. And that's how I knew about Jordan Peele. Like it was because that sketch comedy duo and, Yeah, you done goofed AA, Ron. Yes, I did. (laughs) So, Doug. How did you hear about Jordan Peele?
3: I can't remember specifics, but I know I got into them in probably when I was like 23, 24, so maybe about like eight years ago.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's 31, everyone. He's
3: 31. (laughs) (laughs) 32. (laughs) <laughs> so, might have been a little bit of a miscalculation there. Um, but everyone kept raving. My, I know, it was my brother who kept raving about Key and Peele. And I was like, okay, I finally got to watch these guys. I saw a couple of their sketches. I knew they were funny. I fell in love with Key and Peele oh, r- yeah. right then and there. I wa- binge-watched all the seasons on Hulu, and then I binge-watched it again. And, yeah, watching bo- watching both of them and their careers... After that has been pretty special, I think.
0: Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And Rutch, how did you first hear about Jordan Peele?
1: Uh, When I was forced to look into it for this podcast. No, I'm just, I'm just just joking. I mean, we've all had exposure to Keem Peele growing up. I mean, his sketch comedy on YouTube is very far-reaching. And I, that's just how I got into it. I would say his most popular one, probably the the, the classroom sketch, like mm-hmm. Aaron was mentioning, that probably hit me the most, and that's probably how I have the most exposure through him. But um, yeah, a lot of his other content, though, I just got into it just for this podcast, and so I would say I'm a I'm not a fan. I'm going to have that perspective for this podcast, and that can maybe I don't know.
3: It's going to be just, interesting. It might be mm-hmm. I might be
1: the average viewer's perspective on them rather than what you guys would have. The, mm. You guys have the knowledge of their, I guess, career. So yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I'm glad you're here, Rutch. <laughs> me too.
1: <laughs> me too.
0: So yeah, we all encountered Key and Peel and what really surprised me was because I, you know, I knew him as the comedy guy, like mm-hmm. you know, the American, the, the new version of Abbott and Costello, like this new comedy duo hitting the airwaves, and. When he pivoted to making a movie, I was like, cool. And then it was a horror movie. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not what I expected at all from him. And yet it became his thing. Mm-hmm. Like he's known for that now, which is insane.
3: I was going to say, I think he wrote a lot or a majority of like the horror sketches that they did in Key and Peele. Really? Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. That would make sense. It would because make sense. That's what he said, what he was, yeah, um, that's how he developed, like, all of his horror movies was, like, during that time. Oh, yeah. That's when he was, like, using the time to research. Oh,
0: okay. Because, like, I was watching this interview with him, and, because like, I wanted to know, like, how did he get into this stuff? And he said that he always wanted to be a director, but then he just fell into being an actor, being a comedian actor, and he couldn't really pursue that directorial path in his life until you know later in life and it would make sense because like those horror sketches within keen peel he actually knows his stuff like you could tell like he enjoys the genre he is knowledgeable about pop culture when it comes to horror movies and tropes and all that stuff and it really shows that he knows what he's talking about
3: absolutely yeah.
1: So how did they become or how did they um become this like duo in this comedy world? How did that start? Do you guys know at all? I know. Yeah.
0: So which I before, you know, for researching this podcast, I had no idea he was on Mad TV. So Keegan-Michael Keel and wait, Keegan-Michael wait, Key. Key. Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele. We're both in Mad TV together, and so through a working relationship, they're like, "Let's do our own thing." And then they got this deal with Comedy Central. Then you know, the rest is history. But yeah, I because I didn't grow up watching Mad TV; it just wasn't my jam. Right. I was more into SNL back in the day. It was like either one or the other. Like either yeah. either like Michael Jackson or you like Prince. It's like you can't you can't do both.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Did you watch Mad TV, Aaron? A little
2: bit. Um, I was just kind of, it was just off my radar Mm -hmm. at that point. Um, But I was thinking this is not dissimilar from um, Keenan and Kel, how, you know, they were a comedy duo that uh, showed up on all that. And then they just worked together so well that they were given their own movie and I think show. Um, Mm So kind of a uh, kid friendly version of uh, Keenan Peel.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to that's,
3: put it. Yeah. That's a very
2: good way to put it. <laughs> kind of creepy how parallel their careers are, but I don't know. Um finding out Jordan Peele did uh get out was kind of it, it would be the equivalent to finding out that uh Keenan and Kell directed
0: The Witch. Like what? Right. It's it's like you don't think of Keenan Thompson and I don't know his first name, Kel. (laughs) Yeah, he kind of like fell off the the face of the planet. But like, you don't see like Kenan Thompson. Oh, he's gonna direct the the purge. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like for some reason we don't we put people in these like these boxes. It's like, oh, you're a comedy person. Oh, you're a horror person. It's like, like uh, with the witch. If Robert Eggers, the director of the witch, did. A romantic comedy. People would be like, what? Why? That don't (laughs) make
2: sense. Very unlikely.
0: Yeah. Isn't it weird that we put people in those boxes? It's like, oh, you have to do one thing. That's your brand.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's also unusual because you don't often find directors that set as their career goal to transition into horror. Usually that's where you start when you're just getting your feet wet. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's kind of in Hollywood, it's kind of like dirty work where it's, you know, they're always snubbed at awards uh, ceremonies. Critics usually pan them. Um, you know, they'll make some uh, make a quick buck, but they're not something to aspire to. And yet that's what um, Jordan Peele wanted to do and transition mm. away from comedy which he was also already having success with. So it's a very unusual career move to make. Yeah.
1: I mean it's fine if you break out of your box, just don't expect the same amount of success you had in that previous world.
3: Mm. That's true. The, just ask Michael Jordan. Yeah, so exactly.
1: Area. So what what is great about this is that he was able to find success with Get Out and then start his whole new box. So yeah. Now he's got a couple boxes. Great for him. <laughs> Got his comedy <laughs> box,
0: guys horror box. Imagine if you did, like, but they're not a sci-fi even, box.
1: they're not even, yeah. like, completely separate. We saw this blend in his comedy sketches. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the ones that we passed around coming up into this podcast. I mean, that's it's comedy, but it's also, like, playing into that horror-type yeah. world a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. You see Bye. the
2: opposite too. Like in Get Out, there's some comedic
1: references, and and every one of all like of that. his movies, yeah. mm-hmm. there's always that comedy that tends to happen mm-hmm. after something scary would happen. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great for his brand. I don't know if it's. I didn't enjoy it as much. I thought I thought it was funny those moments, but I didn't uh, think they were. I think it took me out of the moment of being scared, mm. and I thought to myself, "I'm like, I'm not really that scared because." Which is what you want from you want mm. as a director of, of a horror movie to mm. scare your audience. That's the main goal. That's interesting. So, yeah, but I mean that's not a bad thing. It's just that's his own brand, and I think it's fine. But I, I'm not going to be the most scared of his movies.
0: So you like the consistent dread in a horror movie?
1: I mean, if I'm going to a horror movie, I kind of want to be scared and be in that world and not be spooked. Um, yeah, and just that. <laughs> yeah, that. Impending doom feeling. That's typically why you would go see these movies. Okay. So, but that's not necessarily what would happen in his movies Mm. um, as much. But I guess we can dive into that detail more specifically later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's get into it. So his directorial debut, Get Out, in 2017, that was, I remember when that came out. Because like one that we just talked about it's a Jordan Peele and he's doing a horror movie. What? I didn't even know that was even possible. And then when it came out, everyone just, it blew everyone's mind for Mm -hmm. for good reasons. Like, so I saw it, I think it was on Netflix. I didn't go to the theater for it for some reason. I don't know why I was too busy. So I saw it when it came out on Netflix did you guys see it around the same time? Like, did you see it in theaters, or did you catch it afterwards?
3: I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. Oh yeah. Like, probably opening night. I think. <laughs> Knowing me at that time.
0: <laughs> or weekend. That's, that makes sense. Because you're you're the horror screenwriter. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, okay. Well, cool. I didn't. I saw it coming up into this podcast, so in the last week or so. Living? I wasn't spoiled by anything, but what? I did have this mentality of, like, what to kind of expect going into it. Mm, okay. Probably just from watching the trailer over and over throughout the years or seeing it here and there. Right. Yeah.
0: Pop culture.
1: Right. Yeah. It's hard to escape it.
0: Right. So where where did you encounter Get Out, Aaron? Earlier this week. Really? I watched it for this. Yeah. All the Ooh. Jordan Peele stuff
2: I uh, oh watched for this podcast. Wow. Um, I don't know why I slept on them, but, um, I don't know. I have this thing. I think I've talked about it on the show before where if people hype something up way too much. It just makes me not want to watch it, um, because there's just no way that it can live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I avoided spoilers for everything, but, um, I, I liked being able to enjoy it. it. Just removed from that hype a bit. Um, and yeah. Oh, because it's all
1: dived down enough where you're just like, I can discover this for myself. Is that?
2: Yeah. I, I'd rather have my own opinion about things like this. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I can't really explain it, but it just, there's a distaste for things when sure. they're way too hyped.
1: Oh, yeah. I get it, that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the time we get, we all get told to watch this best show five times a week, you know, from different friends. And exactly. like, all right, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Just let me go back to the office. <laughs> Jeez.
2: Oh Lord.
0: <laughs> oh Rutch. I'm surprised that Aaron Rutch that you saw this recently. Like, I I'm gonna, couldn't escape it. I was like, okay. I was like, reeled in. Like, you got to watch it. No problem. I mean, Whoa.
1: my perspective or my reason why I hadn't watched it. Um, was different from Aaron's. Like, at the time, I I heard a lot about it, but in 2016, was that when it came out? Or 2017? 17. Um, I wasn't into horror films or that genre as much as I am now. Mm. I'm more into that genre now because of the recent stuff from, like, Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor, and now Midnight Madness. That, I love those kind of frameworks of, like, this is what horror could be or thrillers or mysteries. Mm. I like that blend. And because of that, I've started to dive more into this. So, Mm. yeah. So at the time when this was all coming out, Mm -hmm. I just wasn't, like, my ears weren't open to that kind of movie as I would enjoy that, you know.
0: And I'm glad that you framed it that way because, like, growing up for me, when I watched horror movies, it was from the 80s and 70s. And it was, like, campy, super gory, like, violence. But it didn't really, like, speak to anything. There wasn't, like, this subtext about, like, for example, uh, societal commentary. And then with Get Outs and, like, all the other titles that you just mentioned, there's this art form infused with horror. So, like, this, like...
1: Right. Well, like, I would being, just call that a story's being told. You're not just... It's not just a slasher to be scared. You yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yeah. Continue. There's something more. Like, it's, right. it's more of, a, like, an art piece that's scary, it happens to be. It just happens to be scary. But like, like, yeah, like you put it, like the story is front and center. Yeah. And then the horrors come from that. Like, it's not like hmm. scary onto the thing, you know? It's interesting that you say that because have you never seen
2: a George Romero film? I've seen George Romero. Yeah. I love zombie movies. Yeah. It's also very upfront about its social commentary and what it's critiquing and satirizing yeah it gets to the point where he's like beating you over the head with it um i don't think it's the only horror series to do that but um i just
1: think in recent years there's been this dilution of like
2: the conjuring yeah oh yeah 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 exactly the (laughs) purge (laughs) yes blumhouse yeah, at that point, horror has... Careful what you're saying. <laughs> uh, oh, 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 We're here yeah. talking about it. Mm-hmm. At, at, at that point, horror gets that yeah. reputation of being basically like theme park rides or um, like walking through a haunted house exhibit where it's more about provoking visceral reactions out of you rather than Jumpscapes. telling a story. Yeah. Or like yeah.
0: telling a story or having a point. Yeah. And what I like about, say, Jordan Peele's movies is that they all have a point. Mm-hmm. They're frightening. They're scary, but they also make you think. Yeah, and I really, really enjoy that. And Jordan Peele, like, he's different than, say, John Carpenter, for example. This mm-hmm. might be controversial, but like Halloween, one of the one of my favorite horror movies ever. I showed you Rudge. I didn't show you. You've probably already seen it.
3: Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. But Have you like, seen Halloween?
0: But I love yeah. Halloween, but there's no story to Halloween. It's just the shape killing people. That's it. That's the mm-hmm. whole movie. And it's scary because it's random.
4: Yeah.
0: And I love it. Yeah. But like, it doesn't like, it's like, oh, this makes me think. This Michael Myers, like, like he always hunts people and kills them. But what's killing Michael on the inside? I never <laughs> thought of that ever.
1: Well, we're always going to flip flop because reason is great for a story. But then when we have so much of that, it just feels nice to have something that's just, like, completely random. We don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes, like, Michael Myers very scary in those films. You just don't know what to expect. The randomness that he has no purpose is the scary element. I mean, you're just going to take one over the other. It kind of goes in, like, a wave. You know, it's in pop culture, and then it's out. So
2: It's a difference of directorial style as well. Because uh, John (laughs) Carpenter's story is probably his weakest point. Um, but that's, he he just loves to kind of get you into a certain mood, set the atmosphere. A lot of his movies are quite dreamlike and they can be equally as horrific as a, as a nightmare, but it's, it's, it's more about Snake Plissken just like trying to get out of New York rather than, or, oh God, (laughs) um,
0: surfing out of LA. Yeah, but
2: he's, he's not trying to make you. I think, at least most of the time, with "They Live," that's like his one, yeah, like super obvious uh, movie with social subtext. Right. But um, he, he's very much interested in setting a mood. Where Jordan Peele, he's, uh, he's he's a bit more balanced. He wants to make you think as well.
0: Yep. Yeah, I really enjoy that. And with "Get Out," specifically, the way he approaches the subject matter is probably the most unique. I've seen because like I've seen plenty of psychological thrillers over the years, Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. I have to say it's all done by say like white men. There hasn't been a black man director with these horror movies that have a message. Mm -hmm. And with Jordan Peele, he does that and he wears it on his sleeve because it's, it's very obvious in the subject matter because it's through the black perspective rather than say like you or I, me, a Middle Eastern man, mm-hmm. Aaron, you, a white man, a cracker. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> An old, Hey, <laughs> and
1: I, a Scandinavian. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> we have a Viking here. Wait, Levinson. Are you Jewish?
3: I mean, it's a Jewish last name, but I'm not really Jewish. Okay. The not Jewish out. man. <laughs> Okay, but anyways, yeah, it's through the black
0: perspective, and honestly, it's refreshing because like it's a story I'm unfamiliar mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. and I don't know about you guys, but like when I see true cinema, you're looking through the perspective of other people through film,
2: right? Yeah, at least if you have a shred of empathy, you know. That, yeah. I, I'm I'm serious. Some people yeah. they they don't read fiction, they don't watch movies because they hate the idea of um, having someone else's thoughts in their brain. Is this footless? I'm I've talked to actual real life people with this opinion. They're like, I don't want to think other people's thoughts Um, that weirded them out. In other words, they don't have empathy, but that's the whole point of stories is to experience um, things that did not happen to you from other people's points of view. Mm -hmm. And, maybe impart some wisdom along the way, maybe just be entertained. But it freaks me out that there are people who hate that. It's a little weird. It is.
3: That is weird.
1: So what did you guys think about Get Out? So
0: I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but so far this is probably Jordan Peele's strongest film. It makes sense because it's his directorial debut. He probably had years upon years to really gestate on this and like think about it and refine it to how it is when he comes hot out of the gates, makes this movie. But I thought when I watched it for the first time back in 2018, no, no, it was 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was amazing. Like, like from a movie standpoint, it was very entertaining. I absolutely loved it. Cinematography was great too. And then the story that it leaves you with is like, Oh, it makes you think it makes you reevaluate society. I guess that's just my opinion. Well, this movie is probably perfect.
2: And I mean that by the the script is like, there's not an ounce of fat on that bad boy. Um, <laughs> everything is set up and everything that is set up is paid off. Um, it's paced extraordinarily well. It, did not feel its length at all. Um, And yeah, it's gotten, it's got very important things to say if you're paying attention, which I'm sure we're going to unpack momentarily. Um, And it's entertaining as well. It works as a, as a thriller. There's some comedic moments in it as well. Um, And like you said,
3: most importantly, it makes it not only makes you feel, but makes you think. Yes. Yes. Uh, I agree with everything that you just said. It's, I mean, I remember watching it in the theater and my only my only harp at the time was, I don't want to get into spoilers too much. Can I talk about scenes at all or not? Yeah. Yeah. Was, um, the scene, it was when the scene, when, um, the Armitage son. Yeah. Um, when, um, Chris knocked him in the head with the, uh, pool, with a pool table. Ooh, yeah. Well, no, it wasn't a pool table Cube ball. It, it was, a—I think it was a bocce ball. I can't remember. It was, it wasn't a pool. Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't a pool ball, but yeah, he hit him over the head with this thing. And I was like, okay, now double tap. And Mm -hmm. he doesn't really double tap. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to give it a 9.8 out of 10. And I look back to that and I'm like, you know, I can't really be upset about that. So it's gotta be a perfect movie. It is a perfect movie to me. I mean, Mm -hmm. just all the thoughts that it leaves you with after the fact, because I remember Jordan Peele talking about, you know, how it's literally, a, how when he described Get Out, it was a uh, it's a documentary, and we'll go more into that yeah in a little bit here. But yeah, yeah. it really it really is a documentary if you think about it and w- try to watch it in those eyes because mm-hmm. that's what I did before watching this. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I looked at that tweet and then I watched the movie, and it kind of gave me a whole new perspective of it
2: well, a yeah. little bit. Right, right when he started escaping at the end. Like I stopped taking notes just because I was like so invested in the movie and uh, just I couldn't think about taking notes. Um, I was just fully in. So that's – it's it's a rare movie that it gets me to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Raj? Well,
1: I think Aaron kind of nailed it right there with his notes comment Mm -hmm. that right at the end of the movie, he couldn't take notes anymore because that's when he was in it. And that's my – I didn't enjoy it as much as you guys. I think there's, I think there's way too much fat to it. Um, Hmm. only because I think does the concept, this is a, what we call a what if movie. Um, when you're trying to create or pitch a movie in the business, you try to think of a concept and it's, and these are the what if like concepts, like what if in the context of this movie, we were able to get the old people to be in the brains of younger people. And then what does that scenario look like? Mm -hmm. And that's what this movie is. And I think that concept can live in a a short uh, script, um, sort of like his YouTube uh, sketches. And that's what I'm going to say a lot about the rest of his films. It's a great, excellent. What if concept? And I loved it. Um, It just took forever to get to that. And we didn't spend any time, living in those what if moments that the reason why we're watching the movie long enough because it was like a lot of just like floating around at the front of the movie just building up the scene and the scenario Mm -hmm. but maybe that's just my perspective as far as like i'm coming from these long form series on netflix and i just love living in it and it just didn't happen like it it, like forget out the amazingness happened when you mentioned i stopped making notes Mm -hmm. and i was like yes this is amazing I love this concept. And then it was over within 10 minutes. Like, it was near the end of the film, and I was like, that's too bad. I just feel like there's could, there could be more done here. And I spent, like, an hour getting up to this moment, and I wouldn't watch that hour again. I would just watch the last 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what's the detriment of these kind of films. Um, and I just wish there was, like, more time there. But that said, I think the movie Get Out is actually pretty good from... It's. I would say it's his best of the movies he's done. So
2: yeah. So you were you were praising. Um, was it the hunting of blind manor before?
1: Yeah, just those have been some recent long form series that I've been getting into. The recent midnight madness or midnight mass. Mm-hmm. Mm. What if it was called midnight madness? Oh, God, <laughs> uh, midnight mass. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was. It's. 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 Um, it's great because we get to live in this world and experience the what if. A concept mm-hmm. longer than 30 minutes or whatever it was. And a lot of Keem or the Jordan Peele's movies. So yeah. What were you getting? So at? you,
2: you do you like that episodic format of it? And yes. um, that's something that you would prefer over like a feature length.
4: Yes. Um, and
1: I, I guess that's probably where my critique really is, is mm-hmm. that it's not a long form when it should be, or it could be. Um, yeah. I just want to live in the, let like, the what if concept a lot longer than what we got.
3: You just want it more drawn out. You want more. You want more. Yeah. More of the world, right? Essentially, because
1: the main character in Get Out, he discovers that that um, the surgeon that we knew all along is actually he's doing these brain surgeries and taking from the old in the family and putting them in the black people because they are strong, mm-hmm. um, so that they can, I guess, live longer. That's we didn't. They didn't really touch into that, yeah. but that concept right there. Is an excellent concept, and it's a great reveal in Get Out, and that's what makes the movie really great. I just wanted to like probably just explore that further. Yeah, it, it's just interesting because you
2: you like that long form content where they can spend like ten hours in a world, sure. and you can kind of get lost in it. But then um, you said like this movie took too much time, just kind of along the journey, and needed a. Cut to the
1: chase. Yeah. And compare. So it's too much time in comparison to like the great stuff. So you took notes for an hour and then for the last 30 minutes, you were totally drawn in. And mm-hmm. to me, that's what we need more of. That I, I'm just too drawn in. I can't keep notes. Right. Yeah. And, and
2: and just to clarify, like I was still very much enjoying the movie up to that point. Right. Um, yeah. It was just so uh, emotionally engaging at that point that right. I couldn't think about it enough to take notes.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot is happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but if it was a long form series, and that hour before that last thirty minutes, if that last thirty minutes was then the next couple hours of that concept being explored further, then that first hour in proportion doesn't, you know, it's not like the majority. You Got know? it. So that's so, the perspective. So the
2: issue that you're taking is the ratio of you know kind of build up and setting yeah. stage, yes, and then. Uh, you want more time spent just like,
1: like oh, shit, here, yeah. here we go again. <laughs> right. Um, and have that portion be drawn out. Because even for the main character in Get Out, the second we, the audience, find out is when the character finds out.
3: Mm-hmm. And then
1: 10 minutes later, he's solved it. He's kind of out of that situation. Mm-hmm. He's not living in it or suffering from it. So I guess yeah, that's my I'm- main critique for, for the movie. Yeah.
2: I, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I just, I don't think it's a fair criticism to say that there, that is a weakness of that whole movie because um, the whole, the whole point of the movie is to have that journey up to that point. Mm-hmm. And if you're, especially with the horror thriller kind of movie, mm-hmm. you need to spend time there and really build up that tension so that when you do get at the end, there's this incredible release that Mm. you wouldn't have otherwise
1: if you just hurried through that first bit right i my main critique is that the best part of the movie is not uh, explored enough i mean the best part of the movie is like the best part of the movie so yeah and and i would i would land on the opposite side of that and just say like it's good that it leaves you wanting more yeah definitely yeah i mean i Mm. said get out was like it's best and it's but i just want
3: and I think, you know, that yeah, yeah. also comes into like Jordan Peele's like writing style and how, cause I mean, this is, don't forget, this is also his like de- directorial debut. Yeah. So this is going to establish him as a horror writer and director. It's like, okay, like some horror writers and directors would probably lean more into, okay, I want to include more world building stuff than characters. Him, he wanted to, I think it, it was just for personal style to him that he just wanted to make it more about the characters than really than just mm-hmm. the idea itself. The idea is there in the background, right. but you know,
1: but I'd say the main theme of the movie probably is the racism theme. And mm-hmm. yeah. th- yes. that is probably the most important part of the whole movie. And the last 30 minutes or so where that brain transfusion gets that, that part happening, racism, racism actually just gets thrown out. Like the main old man is like, I don't care about who you <laughs> are or where, where you came from you're strong and I need your body. Like that's the core of it. And I thought that was pretty great. Like a nice, Oh yeah. Nice. Cause we had those racism tension yeah. the entire movie and that's what really added to it. I'll say that's very unique. I've never really experienced that in a movie. Have you guys at all?
0: Not in this format at all because right. when, when that topic is explored, it's explored through our world as in like, say like a Martin Luther King documentary or like Mississippi burning. Like it's very rooted in current events. Mm -hmm, Right. It's never, um, I guess fantasized or like like, abstracted. Yeah. It's not, it's not like that unless it's like Star Trek Mm -hmm. where it's like social commentary buried in, but like it's, I don't know. It could be lost on people, I guess. So we danced around the plot of Get Out. So for the listeners, Doug. We're not gonna do elevator pitches. I'm not this isn't Uh-oh. a torture chamber. <laughs> <laughs> this is a round table. Would you like to give the overall premise of Get Out before we go further?
3: I can. Um hmm. <laughs> It's kind of... <laughs> In two sentences. In two sentences? Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, I have the Wikipedia page up right here, so I'm just going to read uh, something from the Wikipedia page. Is okay, that okay? Okay, do it. Okay. Wait, uh, is that something we can do
1: for your elevator pitches? That's cheating. Is that cheating? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, nah, you good. All right, go for it. <laughs> okay, so Get Out is uh, follows a uh, young black man, Chris Washington... Um, who uncovers shocking secrets when he meets the family of his white girlfriend, Rose Armitage? Yes, and basically shit goes down.
0: Um, <laughs> white people are fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you said it. So this film follows what's the actor's name? He's in Judas. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, yeah Daniel. He's Kaluuya. in Black Mirror. Yep. Which episode?
2: It's one of the season one or two ones. Oh, I know which one. Yeah, it's like the social credit score. Yeah. Okay. All right. 50 million points, whatever it's called. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that one now. Okay. So I didn't know that was him. Yeah, that was my first exposure to him. Oh, that's a long time ago. I thought Mm -hmm. he did a great job. He did. He did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was... So in Get Out, he was absolutely fantastic. And, like, the entire cast, start to finish, like... Even the extras were really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Standout, the brother of the white girl. Oh. Oh, that guy's
0: drunk all the time? He needs
1: more screen time somewhere. Yeah. He's absolutely psycho. Yes. Jeremy,
3: yes.
2: Yeah. Caleb Landry Jones. He belongs in, like, a Resident Evil game.
0: You know? (laughs) He's a perfect character actor, that brother, because, like, he just comes across as like this slimy sketchy dude and it's like yeah oh. mm-hmm. like the whole film like so the the main character what was his name K- chris. K- chris 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 it's <laughs> like there's so many names um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so why i have it up <laughs> so like he goes to meet his girlfriend's family you know the whole it's like a rom-com i go like, oh, come and meet my folks mm-hmm. if you want to take this relationship further the so, big meeting and yeah. they don't know he's black. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they didn't know. He was like, Did you tell your parents about me? About what? That you know, what? <laughs> that I'm black. Oh, should I have <laughs> <laughs> why should I have to? Is that necessary? Hi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then that whole perspective was like perfectly captured on film. And I think It goes to Jordan Peele's writing because he wrote this too. Mm -hmm. He probably took that from his own life because his wife is a white woman. She's a comedian, Mm -hmm. just like him.
1: Hmm.
0: So it's like.
1: Yeah. So did he have that conversation when they were first? Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's commentary about that out there somewhere. Probably. I will
3: there's always director's commentary somewhere mm-hmm. All on the DVDs, on the Blu-rays. Why didn't I look at that? He's like, yeah, now? I just
1: wrote this film because this was my experience <laughs> when I was dating my now wife.
0: <laughs> exactly. So like, so he's on a route to meet her parents, and I mean, the whole thing where it's like, oh, hey, you know, I could have voted for Obama, like if I could, you know, a third time, and mm-hmm. like, oh, you know. All these other really awkward statements.
3: And... Don't forget about the uh, cop scene, too. Mm-hmm. That whole... Oh, yeah, yeah. with the deer. With the deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to unpack that? I mean... <laughs> I mean it was just a small was, little scene. It was just a small little scene with, with of, the deer. And then, um, basically, the cop pulled... The cop didn't pull him over. They called 911, naturally. And the cop, like, asked... For, for Rose's ID. And then the mm-hmm. cop asks Chris for his ID. And she's like, why are you asking for his ID? He did nothing wrong. Standard procedure, man. Right. I was mm-hmm. the one driving. Mm-hmm. I was the one driving. Is it because... He, I I'm, I'm I literally think she should have said, is it because he's black or something like that?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she called she, up
3: the cop. She called, she called him out right away for it. And like Chris, I remember he was behind her and he was like, oh
2: yeah he was ready to just like comply okay, yeah, yeah. yeah he was he was ready to just alive. be like mm-hmm.
3: because you know i mean that's how i this is this is from when i was looking at it from like a documentary point of view it's like it's like that's what like black people are, are taught growing up to just compl- comply with the police because they're just going to be racially pro- profiled anyways yep. yeah mm-hmm. so he's just going to comply and then it's i mean rose standing up for him like that i mean that was that that just shows us. Uh, that just shows us a standard day in the life for a typical black person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little side note, like I don't know about you guys, but like growing up, like you know how many times I've been pulled over by police? Yeah, so many times. And I, I'm not black, but my name is foreign, so it's. I would say that's almost equal in the eyes of the police. It's like, oh, you're not white. Like, what yeah. do you do? Dri- what are you doing driving this car? And I drove. I mean, it was an older car at the time, but it was a Mercedes. So it's like, how'd you get this car type of mentality? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've been there plenty of times. So like watching this scene, I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, just show me your ID. Like one time. Okay. One time.
4: (laughs) I got pulled over.
0: It was was pretty late. I think it was like around midnight. I was like driving home from the girl I was dating at the time, fresh out of high school, little kid me. And I was coming home and then this cop pulled me over. Thought I was driving under the influence and I was stone sober. I was like, no. Like, even at the time, I, I never drank anything or, you know, smoked anything. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't believe you. You need to take a field sobriety test. I was oh, like, snap. what? So then I did it, stone sober. They still, they're like, no, you failed. And I was what? like, I was like, I will take a urine test. They're like, you'll submit a urine test. I was like, yes. Like, give it to me right now. They're like, you have $20? And no. they, they weren't talking about like $20 to take the test. They're like, give me 20 bucks and I'll just let you go. Shakedown. down. Yeah.
2: They didn't have like a breathalyzer or anything.
0: I was like, do you want to follow me to the ATM? They're like, no, nah, don't worry about it. Go home. Like, go home. And I was like, and then Did years, stay classy, l- Illinois. years yeah. later, I was like, oh, I was like being asked to like take, he, he was like asking for a bribe. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, that's not, <laughs> that just <laughs> happened. And like, it took me years to process that. I was like, wait a minute. No, cops don't do that shit. That, that wasn't a, I didn't know. I was, I was a, what, 19, 20? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe 18. Just, you don't didn't think know about anybody. that stuff. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Just a kid. So. Did I tell you the story about how I smuggled my roommate?
0: One in the trunk?
2: Uh, well, kind of. No. Um, okay. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, my roommate and I, we were buying some furniture, and neither mm-hmm. of us owned vehicles. We did not have it, did not have access to anyone with a truck or anything, so we're like, you know what? We're going to go to the Home Depot. We're going to rent a van for a few hours, make our deliveries, and go. Uh, and we didn't think that far ahead because we had four dudes with us. Um, my roommate, the Puerto Rican, um, <laughs> uh, his friend who is Romanian but kind of looks Middle Eastern. Mm. Um and then me and a and a fourth guy, um both of us Pollocks, so uh we get there, and it's a two seater for the van, yep, so we're like me and Kurt, fellow Polak, we take a look at each other, we look at our brown brethren, and we're like, for your own safety, would you consider going into the back and staying quiet? <laughs> <laughs> so we drove so that we wouldn't get pulled over, and they wouldn't realize that. We had an illegal seating arrangement. Wow. And then we were smuggling some, some brothers in the back. Um, and it, it worked out fine. We were not pulled over by CPD, even though they trailed us for a little bit. We got, we started sweating. Um, <laughs> the guys in the back, they started like singing spirituals. <laughs> we were like, quiet down back there. Uh, but yeah, we made it. But we had to make that conscious to- choice. Like, are we getting pulled over today?
0: <laughs> no. Well, White people up front. Oh my god! Yeah, you don't fuck around with CPD. Either. Yeah, they're ruthless. I mean, I if I have white privilege, I might as well use it, right? Oh. Otherwise, it's all for nothing. Oh man! But yeah, that was that was my side tangent. <laughs> Being pulled over by police. Yeah. <laughs> Being profiled.
4: <laughs>
0: <clears throat> man. So. Yeah, I mean, with that scene to get back to get out. Um. I just. That's what just that's just what you do. You comply mm-hmm. because it can easily go sideways, and it's just them. You know, yeah. there's no other people around, no other no other witnesses, mm-hmm. and it's your word against his. A cop, right? Uh, but then Chris
2: meets the family, and there's a big party that weekend that Rose didn't know about. But he's once again put in this position where he kind of has to play along, right? Um,
0: and it's a bit of a weird party.
3: So creepy.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So that's like the main, that's like the main event of the whole movie is this party. Yeah. And everyone arrives in black vans on purpose, mm-hmm. if you think about the theme. Um. So they all get out and it's, it's mostly older white people. There's like an Asian, Yeah. You know, it's, it's mostly... Their token Asian friend. That <laughs> yeah, was it Mr. Yorimoto or something like that? Yeah. It's like, okay, I get it.
2: Yeah, they they were filming,
0: I think, in Alabama, something. They actually, actually. filmed down there?
2: Yeah. Um, they, oh, I didn't know that. They, they deliberately um, didn't betray the movie's location so that it could take place anywhere. I but,
0: thought it took place in New York
2: it probably they're because very vague they, with where it takes place they, yeah. so
0: like they live in like a city mm-hmm. i was like okay it's probably new york and then they go to upstate new york
2: that's just yeah my, you're, you're probably right but they deliberately kind of set it anywhere and anywhere yeah not the script um, anyway they did actually film like down in alabama somewhere okay and um they're casting locally and they couldn't find any Japanese people, so they ended up um, going to like a Taekwondo dojo or something like that, and just like hiring the guy there. Oh my god! Yeah, huh.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. That's,
2: yeah, that's funny. Um, that's good. But at this party, we, we get a taste of it when he first arrives, yeah. and it's his parents. They're kind of casually racist, but maybe not quite helping themselves. Um, And then it's on full display at this party where people are um, basically sizing him up like they make assumptions that he's faster and stronger and more skilled Mm and athletics and like he's played golf once. And this one dude is like, you know, for sure that this guy has a great golf swing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's a comment from a lady who's like to Rose, like you went black. You're not ever going to go back, are you? I guess it really Mm -hmm. better. And uh, remember, it, 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 yeah. just like and very inappropriate yeah. questions with mm-hmm. this kind of racial subtext to it, mm-hmm. um, the 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 dad Dean Armitage, um, they're they're talking about hitting the deer on the way, and he starts talking like you know, if I could round up and kill every single deer out there, I would do it. And it very much sounds like uh, replacement theory nonsense, but kind of without him. Meaning it, it, it's writing this very fine line, this family. But it just gets like weirder and creepier the more yeah, it goes it on, does. and Chris just has <clears> to endure <throat> it. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and there's a moment at the party where someone literally says black is in fashion, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. like, like yeah. I'm, I'm like, my eyes raised up, and I'm like, this is totally obvious to me yeah. right now, Chris. What, get out, <laughs>
0: leave. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of moments in the film where it's like, just get out. (laughs) Yeah. Why are you? Well, he has to stay because, you know, of the implication. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah.
3: Rose, you know, he doesn't want to, you know, ruin that thing with her. Exactly. So it's like,
0: let me just, you know, it's,
3: Despite despite his best friend's warnings too. Don't forget about the best friend. Yeah. yeah. The hero of the film. Yes.
0: He's
2: got a he's TSA. got a friend back home, a TSA agent yes. who's yep. like watching his apartment and his dog while he's out. Um and he's kind of <laughs> the one All the TSA jokes are just amazing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. I loved them.
2: Yeah. Um it, this guy, he's like the clear voice of reason throughout the whole movie. Um like Chris was like, I got to go. I got to meet my parent meet my girlfriend's parents. Yeah. Got to meet their family. Got to be at this party, and just like rationalizing away every warning sign. And Rod, I think his name was, was just like, mm-hmm. "Are you fucking crazy? Get out of there!" <laughs> <laughs> he's he's basically um, every black person watching the movie. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've been in a in a theater with a horror movie oh, with yes. a predominantly black audience. Yep, get it out. Is. The audience is, like, just as entertaining as the movie oh, yeah. itself. Oh,
3: yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: they're yelling at the screen. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah.
3: Turn <Better> around!
2: <laughs> it's amazing.
0: Uh, Yeah, so... Yeah, like, with the Armitage family, like... They're not being overtly racist. Mm-hmm. But, like... They're just, like, making... I
3: would have voted for Obama for a third term. Yes. If I could. If I could.
0: Yeah. And then, like... What one of their guests like? Other than the black is in fashion. Someone else was like, "Oh, because of your you know physical stature that you can you
2: superior know, genetic makeup."
0: Yes, you can you know be stronger, run faster. And it's like,
4: oh, no.
0: he
3: he literally got felt up too. I remember, Yes. This. the yeah. girl mm-hmm. like felt like oh, your muscles. feeling his arms. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like oh, it's like it's like. It's the same idea of eugenics. Like Hitler was like my master race, which is mm-hmm. these Aryan people, white, blue, uh, blue eyed, blonde hair. But to these people, it's like it's black people. They mm. are the master race.
2: Yeah. And they, they do an interesting setup for this at the beginning. He's kind of taking a tour of the house. Uh, there's a photo of uh, Dean's father, so Rose's grandfather. Yeah. Uh, who was an Olympic sprinter, I think, and, um, competed against Jesse Owens, uh, for the 1939 Olympics, 1938, um, and lost to him. So Jesse Owens ended up going and, uh, you know, that, that's important because that's of course, when Jesse Owens won the gold against the Germans, uh in this Olympics when they're kind of touting the supremacy of the master race. And here's this black guy that shows up and proves them all wrong. Um, and so there's, there's a jealousy that they're setting up here at the beginning, um, where there's as part of this family, um, they're jealous of Jesse Owens who by their logic had the superior genetic makeup to win where, uh, their
1: white grandfather couldn't. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was surprised that um yeah. the title of the movie is Get Out and it's only ever referenced or said once in the film and that's during the party um one of the missing black men from mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. is there and he's all dressed up in this I don't know how would you describe his clothing because it's not so a, very
3: like yeah
1: southern, southern, 60s southern
3: yeah, yeah, it's yeah, Tommy it's Bahama. Right. Yeah. He,
2: yeah. It, he he dresses like a white guy. Yeah. Um. Or early in the in the in the movie, very much not like that at all. And no. He has a
0: leather jacket. Right. And yes. Very mm-hmm. fly looking. But
1: it turns out mm. that um, our main character recognizes him, and he's actually been a missing guy for a while, which at the beginning of the movie shows that. But um, then he, um, I guess, the main trigger of the movie where things start to change is he brings out his phone right and then Mm -hmm. he takes a picture and the strobe sort of triggers this reaction and he snaps out of it and then that's where the classic line get out is said and I was surprised that that's that's the only moment in the film I think maybe the trailer just made it seem like everyone was saying it or something (laughs) I don't know it was yeah, probably yeah, one of those yeah, classic that super edits. Cut of yeah, everybody in the yeah. movie like, saying
3: "get out." Yeah. I think of, I think of benefits from not having everyone oh, say definitely. "get out." No, yeah. Otherwise, you'd be like, okay,
2: right. that's, the, that's the easy way, right? Yeah. But up
3: until that moment, he's beginning.
1: He's got these like hints of like, okay, the the maid is a black person and she's kind of out of it, and then the gardener is a black person and he's out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what happens prior to this. Was there something that happened? that night before the party or is that after?
2: Yes. Um, Chris goes out for a smoke. He's been, yes. he's been trying to quit, but he's just so fucking anxious from these people that yeah. he, um, you know, gets up in the middle of the night, goes out for a smoke and the gardener just like does a full on sprint, like a T 1000 straight at him.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
2: <laughs> it just, uh, veers off course at the last minute and voids hitting him. Yes. And then Georgina, I'm sorry. Um,
1: I scared you. Last night. Yeah. I was just out for my midnight run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At midnight. At midnight. <laughs> yeah.
2: And uh, uh, I think Georgina, the the housemaid, she's like up in the window and like walking around weirdly and kind of like looking vacant. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that shot is um, – I knew it was like off, but with the reveal towards the end of the movie, that scene makes sense where she's kind of like tucking her hair. Yes. And mm-hmm. then – yeah, but then that that gives reason why she snaps her head all of a sudden to look out mm-hmm. and then disappears. She doesn't want him to know the reason, right? So, right. Yeah, very interesting. Yes.
2: Yeah, and so we learn later that uh, the the reason that Lloyd, I think his name was the uh, black guy at the beginning, who's kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, the the reason why he dresses like a white grandpa and that. <laughs> you know, Georgina is acting funny and all that is because, uh, the big family secret is that, um, uh, Rose's mom, uh, is a hypnotist and she's so good at it that she can like, you know, exert control over anybody. And Mm -hmm. they lure these black people into, uh, into the family's graces. Mm -hmm. Um, she lures them into a stupor and then the father, he's a neurosurgeon, uh they basically have like a slave auction um mm-hmm. for whoever they lure in and these extended family members, whoever wins um it gets their brain transplanted into a black guy 's body yeah. um which is just a wacko absurd concept, but they spend the entire movie just like selling you on it that you're like yep i'm 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 with you
0: he 's gotta <laughs> get out yeah, that's yeah. when the movie became crazy. I was like, you know, it's like you don't know, like it's like through act in 1, if you were to divide into three parts, it's like you're figuring out what's going on, like what's happening like and then when the reveal happens, it's like, oh, "Oh, this is not at all what I expected from mm. this movie at all." And I do love that twist. But like the commentary that it gives is like amazing. So, like, like you put it, it's a slave auction. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it mirrors bingo, quote
2: unquote. Yeah. But all their bingo yeah. cards are already filled out.
0: Yeah. So, like, uh, the daughter, Rose, I was trying to figure out, like, is there like some sort of connection with the name Rose and roses and like, there's nothing I could find, but like she is a honeypot. She is literally every flower has its thorns. Yeah. Okay. There you go. She's beautiful. To look at, but she's gonna kill you. Kind of like a rose,
3: uh, rose is beautiful but deadly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like a black widow, or, mm-hmm. you know. So she's a honeypot. She's luring. She's a predator. Yeah. She's luring men, black men, and, into the female.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, there's a lady that she got because yes. grandma wanted someone to. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: like, she's wearing these men and and lady, and like, it's they're selling them as property. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you turn the clock back like a hundred years, or a little bit more, same things are going on. Same things are going on right now across the world. Mm-hmm. If you think about it. But like that was shocking. I was like, "Oh!" And it took like a couple seconds for me to realize what was happening. I was like, oh, "Yeah."
2: They they oh. set it up, um, and this is crucial. They don't make a big deal about it. That Rose, uh, that that Chris is Rose's first black boyfriend, and then when Chris is trying to finally escape, he stumbles upon. Uh, this attic storage where there's a box of photos that are printed yeah. out and it's all uh, selfies taken with Rose and other black men uh, as her boyfriends. And that's when we finally, the the jig is up and we realize like, oh, this is a whole scheme from top to bottom.
0: Right. And let me unpack that moment a little bit more because like this last viewing for this podcast I realized something about that scene because, like, when you watch it, it's like, "Oh, she lied to him. She betrayed him. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's been other men in her life. Like, everything she said was a lie." Yeah, but like, it lingers on one of the photos, which was the last one. It was this big black guy. Not only was it the gardener mm-hmm. that was working for them, he had a red bandana on, mm. which indicates it's it's not completely spelled out, but I know a thing or two. It's quite clear that he was a blood. Mm. So he was a gang member. Interesting. So I'm sure because it's later revealed that that's her grandfather in that body mm-hmm. and he was an athlete. So you want like a big strong guy. Yeah. Go to Compton, get like a thug. And yeah. So like, And then to further unpack that, she would have to get into the gang Mm -hmm. and initiation for women, quote, is to get fucked in, oh, which they run a line on you. Yeah. So she did all that to procure that type of person.
2: Damn. Yep. They must be paying her well or something. (laughs) (laughs) Either that or just pure... Just ideological produced. devotion to this family. I and think it's the yeah. devotion. Fucked the devotion. up stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's insane.
3: I mean, you saw how she was, like, sitting on that bed, eating eating her cereal <laughs> with that milk. Yeah. You know, it <laughs> sizing up. up
2: so much. Because, um, yeah, she has, like, a bowl of dry cereal. She'll, like, pick a few out with her fingers. and She was picking them. up one by one. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. drink a glass of milk out of a straw. <laughs> yep. Which... When I saw that at first, I thought, okay, they're just showing how crazy these white people are. Um, but there's some subtext there as well. She's
0: keeping her milk and cereal segregated. Mm-hmm. Separating yep. out the colors. Not going to mix them. Mm-hmm. A little subtle. Because like, when you see that at first, it's like, oh, she's clearly crazy. And like they're illustrating that. But it's like yes. when you look further, it's like, oh, this is in line with the theme. Mm-hmm. Perfectly. And so
2: um we get to Chris's escape where he uses yeah. his wits mm-hmm. to uh well outwit the family and uh make his escape. There's um they set this up when, when he's tense and anxious, he'll and he's like in a chair or whatever, he'll just scratch the armrests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what does he find when he scratches his chair that he's bound in? The inside. Cotton. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's his means of escape is picking some cotton, stuffing it in his ears. And he's able to bypass the hypnosis that they're trying to do on him. And, uh, the rest plays out. And, uh, the, the the kind of climax is when, um, he's on the road, basically strangling Rose to death and cop cars come in. Mm. -hmm. And we start putting the pieces together and we're like, Oh, he's going to get blamed for this whole thing. Killing all the family. She even calls out like, help. Yeah. Yep. Playing the victim. He's going to get shot dead by cops, but oh my god, it's Rodney from the TSA. (laughs) And so Chris makes it out alive. She was like, how did you get
0: here?
1: Speaking of which, in TSA, we gotta just talk about that scene at the police station where he's Oh, oh, yes! yes, I mean, you can remove that and it'd be the same movie, but I'm glad it's in there. Mm -hmm. It's just a lovely moment of tension relief and comedy is just on point. I, I, I really dig it. I I believe (laughs) (laughs) that's why I think
2: comedy and horror are like two sides of the same coin. Cause Mm. with both comedy and horror, you, the basic framework of it is build up tension as high as you can and then you release it. And that's oftentimes why, especially with um, filmmakers like Sam Raimi, you have this blending of horror and comedy where, Um, You can build up that tension, a bunch of different ways to do it. Well, that's why the Joker
1: is so interesting because he uses comedy um, for his horrific moments and it's sort of like anti-comedy, but... It's like, yeah. I sh- it's funny, but it's not. Yeah, the, the, the punchline
2: is someone getting killed, <laughs> right, usually. Right. Yep.
1: But you guys are right. It's they're the antithesis of each other. They're opposite sides of the coin.
2: Yeah. So And so when you break that tension, you can break it either with a joke, and the humor response is in proportion to that tension, and it's just like, oh, everything's fine. Um, or you could break it with uh, horror, and it's it kind of builds that – fright that you have Mm -hmm. um not only in the moment but it lingers with you as well yeah uh and we see moments of both
1: in get out Mm -hmm. yeah that's nice it's its own brand
4: Mm Because not
1: too many horror people will have the guts to want to do that in their film because Mm -hmm. they're so sold on like i gotta deliver this horror film it's got to bring in the bucks right i mean
0: everything has to point to terror it doesn't have to
1: Mm -hmm. right right (laughs) So I like it that it's his own brand. But again, I think it does pull out of like, I'm not completely scared of this moment because there's going to be comedy at the end of it. Mm -hmm. But that's fine. Yeah.
0: Makes it more enjoyable rather than exhausting.
1: That's yes. I was thinking like, but some of those films that are just all straight horror get exhausting. It's just like, okay, when is this going to end? Yeah. But this is a lot
3: more (laughs) like sustainable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What were you
3: going to say? I was going to say, like, when does the terror end? Just curled up in a ball, just crying. (laughs) So scary.
0: Mm -hmm. You need, like, time to decompress after watching, like, a straight horror movie. It's like, oh, I'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like that scene with the cops because, like, Rodney is like, he knows something's up. He's like, yeah, something's yeah. going down. This isn't right. And like, especially because they they had the reveal with the guy from the beginning of the film with someone they knew. Mm-hmm. He took a picture of him that unlocked his, the spell that was cast, you know, over him. And he was like, get out. And it's like, that guy, first of all, doesn't dress like that. Doesn't act like that. Yeah, Something's going on. Sex slave. He's a sex slave. I told you, <laughs> get out of there. Yeah, White folk are crazy. So mm-hmm. then he goes to the police as a sensible person. He's like, this is what's going on. My friend, you know, he got kidnapped. Mm. And, you know, I think that what they're doing, they're making sex slaves out of black men. They're like, hold on. So then the detective gets two other officers in the office. So it's like three detectives listening to this testimony. He's like, and then that's what's going on. What do you think? They're like... And how did they react? Left at him. Left him out of the room.
1: <laughs> I told you I wasn't going to let you down. <laughs> I told you.
0: Now, don't say I haven't done anything for you.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was amazing. But, like, he, does, he didn't stop. He, like, he kept on researching. And I think he, was there, like, a tracking device on Chris's phone? Is that how he tracked him down?
3: could have been Snapchat or something like that. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they actually really ever explained it, to be honest. Because when he asked him, he was like, because I'm TS motherfucking ass. Yep. <laughs> right. They're just
0: like, eh, it's not important how he found it, just that he found it out. Yeah. yeah. And I love how... <laughs> When he was with the detectives, he was like, you know, I'm a TSA agent, you know. You know, I had the same training as you. I mean, think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that probably didn't if help think about case.
1: It, I deal with more. I'm dealing with terrorists. <laughs> you guys are just dealing with the local people. <laughs> yeah.
2: Love it. But it's done in a way where it's not mocking TSA agents. It feels like no. it's coming out of a place of love.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's not in mean spirit. Right. So, yeah, he tracks down Chris and he... He shoots the girlfriend, well, ex-girlfriend.
2: No. He um, doesn't shoot her? He no, no her. he doesn't. She's already shot at that point. <gasps> yeah, um, right. It's Logan, um, the uh, Logan slash the gardener. Yeah. yeah. Um, because he, I think he snaps another photo. Yeah, he yeah. does another photo. Yeah, and then snaps him out of it long enough to shoot the girlfriend, and then he shoots himself.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah.
2: Um, so Rose is already done for at that point. Mm-hmm. Rod just shows up to get his boy and get out.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a great movie. It was paced. Well, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Raj, I don't think there was fat. Yeah. Where was that. the fats? I thought it was pretty lean. I thought it was like a full 97% a, lean, 3% fat.
1: I mean, don't, I mean, don't get don't, fixated on that. I you made you say my it's point, more of which 80, 20 like, blend. The best part of the movie is the reveal. And I wanted that. I wanted more of that. Just like, wants, yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. So you wanted to play? Like all the more build up the... is necessary for that moment, and it was all done great. Yeah. Um. It just uh, right when I was like, oh, "This is awesome! Great reveal!" Like it just ends. Like mm-hmm. he gets out of the chair, and then right in that hallway, he just instantly kills the guy, the, the dad. There's no confrontation there. It's kind of like, all right, we've done the reveal. It's there was. We don't have much left to tell. We kind of just got to end this thing. That's how it felt. Yeah. And I was like, no, oh, this is like a great theme. Like, how can we build on this and go more into detail? And because like that brain transfusion and just like living in younger bodies, that's a greater theme that's explored in other movies. And I think it was done excellently here. Mm-hmm. It could but be. it just it ends too quickly.
3: It could so. be exploring prequels. You never know. I mean, there's there there's yeah. opportunities yeah. there to you know tell more stories. Right.
0: But do you want to do that? Yeah. I mean, do you really?
3: Jor- knowing Jordan Peele, you know I mean, not like i know him, know him, but I don't think he would do something I like that. I think he's
0: like, I'm not going to do it. They hand him a check. I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> but like... Depends on how Nope does. Yeah. Right. Right. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. So, yeah, with this movie, where was I?
1: Before? Oh, you were saying there was too much fat. Oh, and yeah. And I was like, well... I thought it was I mean, lean. I've made my point... So
0: yeah. now.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I know, okay, so, so, Rutch, what you're saying is you want to have more of the climax rather than the build up.
1: The theme of so the So you just climax. want constant the climax. Theme, climax. The theme of You the don't
0: thing. like the foreplay. You just want constant climax. Is that what you're saying?
1: I mean, would we all be lying? <laughs> if, oh, yeah.
4: But
0: like, you need, you need the up. <laughs> you need to, like, okay. Oh yeah, definitely. And the buildup's going? great. Mystery The The buildup's great. So. And then when it hits you with that climax, it's like, oh, my God. Right. I didn't see that coming. Right. And then you want it to end. You don't want it to say, like, okay, oh, my God, for one hour. It's like, <laughs> uh, it might be a little too much. Or it, it's kind of like Jaws, where it's like you don't want to show the shark too much. It's like we got this perfect amount of like, okay, what are they doing with these black people they're cutting their brains out and they're transfusing the brain of this older gentleman into their brain. It's like, what?
1: Well, at that moment you go, the second you are told that this is happening, you go, okay, how deep does this go? And the reveal is that it doesn't really go that deep. It's just the grandparents. And then the the family outside of that wants in, and so this would continue going on, but so that's why I felt like that part was just a little shallow, kind of ended and distilled, and the movie ended. So, so it could like have a, gone deeper. It could have been like, is this like happening over multiple generations? <laughs> like, did the grandfather do this beforehand? Like, well, it seems know, like how does the family mm-hmm. get like sold on this, you know, or whatever? But it's just a concept movie, and it was, it was done great and told excellently in an hour and a half. Yes, <laughs> but like.
0: There is some references that they've been working on this for a while. And, like, like they just now perfected it. Or mm-hmm. perfected it. So, like... That videotape with yeah. the grandpa kind of explaining the procedure? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, like... Yeah. Yeah. Hard so, you s- want more of, like, a corporation doing this? Kind of like uh? Have you seen the movie... Uh, daybreakers Mm-mm. with the vampires like they were harvesting humans to like drink their blood and and then the humans were dying off it's like oh no our food supply is going out so you just wanted did you want that? but with like they're just harvesting african American. hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like
2: looking for your car keys in a fish tank
0: To be put in, you're going
1: more- into detail, which doesn't matter. I think the sentiment that I'm trying to deliver yeah. is that maybe I'm used to like long form storytelling oh, okay. from Netflix, in which every hour, every episode has a climax, and they're all smaller climaxes for the bigger picture. And that because I'm used, I'm catered to that perspective. Okay. watching an hour and a half, I just felt like ah. Oh, It ended too soon.
4: Mm,
1: Like it was, it's like a, it's a testimony to the greatness of the film because it was great. Mm -hmm. It just.
0: You want season two of Get Out? Sure. (laughs) Okay.
2: Yeah. There you go. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Personally, I'm more on the side of, I'd rather be left wanting more than to have a movie like its Welcome and just like. Sure all right we get it 20 minutes some
1: horror films really do that they last (laughs) way too long you're just like okay this is more more running and more just trying to kill someone all right just get to it yeah this was nice and nicely packed into an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and like like there's no cliffhangers leaving you on or leading you on rather right yeah so
3: and it has a distinct beginning middle and end you know Yes, it could leave room for a possible sequel, but in its own story, it ends itself because it's all about Chris. I think
1: some of the greater horror films, though, are they leave you asking questions. They leave you not telling you all the pieces. And I felt like I was told everything here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's kind of like I want to there's nothing really to talk about because it was all told. There's nothing really to debate what's like the greater picture. You know,
0: that's where the social commentary comes from.
1: Yeah, that's where this movie, I, if the social commentary, like if this didn't have anything to do about race mm-hmm. and it was just that main theme that, or that main what if concept, yeah. I don't think this movie would have done as well at all.
3: No. Yeah. Like if they put a would have put a, I'm going to say it, a white actor in that lead role. It's a t- totally, totally different movie. Totally different movie.
1: Mm-hmm. They could have said yep. the exact same lines. Yep. Yeah. If that racism element is removed, the movie fails. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and because it was such a interesting concept that like left the viewers with that question, it led to Jordan Peele getting an Oscar mm-hmm. for original yeah. screenplay.
1: That's pretty. That's a that was a revolutionary though because it was a horror film, and not yeah. too many, right. if any, really get that. I think mm-hmm.
0: the only one that I could think of was The Sixth Sense, and that was that twenty was years ago. ago. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while. Hey. It's been a hot minute. So like that's that's a testament to Jordan Peele's filmmaking skills because like he took like like we said earlier he took this genre that's been shit upon and then he elevated it and he also made an awesome movie too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like
2: it's also pretty rare to have black voices in the
1: horror space. Yeah. I'm not sure why that is. Yeah. Maybe it just Mostly white people like horror. I don't know. Is it a trope that the black person typically gets killed off first in, yes. in yes. The horror films? In so it was movies. nice that that was kind of left behind.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You're right. Like, yeah. he was the last person not even killed. So he was, like, the the virgin girl if it was, like, Friday the <laughs> 13th. Yeah. Right, right. Final girl. Yeah. yeah.
3: I, I feel like every Who's single... <laughs> I feel like every single modern horror movie, too, always has to mention, like, oh, yeah, the black person has to die first. There's always has to be, yeah, There always has to be some sort of, like, mention of that. And Well, Scream was just, the first to do it yeah.
2: Um, as far as calling it out as a trope, yep. and then just yeah. everybody else is on the coattails. It,
3: it just blew up, and, you know, I, I think mm. it's been overused, the joke, too many times, to be honest. But it's refreshing to get a horror movie like this where it doesn't even hardly mention that joke at all.
4: Uh, they They, they
3: kind
2: of do it with with logan getting kidnapped in the opening scene um okay. but it, it, it it's not killed and they have a reason for doing it
3: they, so. they don't it's not like they're throwing it in your face though well, that it's yeah, like it's not like the exposition is just like it's the, like they're literally saying it by just through uh actually oh my god i can't talk but, so like, imagine if, dialogue. like, Logan's
0: mm. actor just, like, looked straight at the camera and was like, oh man, I'm getting killed first.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Totally a different, that sets a totally a different tone for the yeah. movie, too. And, yeah. So, yeah, I think
0: this movie was amazing. Yes. And it was received well. And because of that, he, he got to a, do more. He made a sophomore movie, which mm-hmm. is Us. Us. This came out two years later in 2019. And,. For me, I didn't watch in theaters. I loved Get Out so much. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Then Us came out, and for some reason, I was like, "Didn't get around to it." Mm-hmm. And I watched it, you know, recently for this podcast. And I'm gonna say it: I like Get Out better. That's just my personal taste.
3: But oh yeah, mm-hmm.
0: the themes that uh, Jordan Peele explored in Get Out, he's also exploring in this film in like a different way. And I, I yes. thought that was like, oh, okay. So, this is going to be your thing that you're going to be exploring these topics through your films. Mm-hmm.
1: Can you guys unpack that for me? Like, yeah. what do you mean by that? A different way.
0: So, in Get Out, like, it was very overt themes of like racism, slavery, with the the auction for Chris's body for someone to buy and to put the brain into. Right, right. And then with us, it was. More of looking at the society in which we live in America. So like it's more of a class. It's more about class than it is about race.
2: There's still elements of that in there. Um but it's kind of taking a less specific,
0: yes, more general. More socially marginalized things. people. Mm-hmm. Um so like yeah, you're right. Like he didn't look at it through the lens of like, oh, like black people. It was like everyone that's been cast aside. Mm-hmm in this film. Um, so Aaron, did you want to explain the plot of us really quick before we jump into it?
2: So you have this well-to-do black family. Um, I think like the, from the Cosby show, that kind of family. Um, (laughs) the father kind of looks like Jordan Peele. Yeah, he does. It's a bit of a self insert. Mm -hmm. Um, they're going up to, um, their summer house for a trip, Might be a weekend, might be a longer trip, whatever. They head up there and one night they find uh, a strange family on their driveway and turns out that they are doppelgangers of that family. And so as they try to survive the night, they figure out this unfolding scheme where it's like everybody in America has a doppelganger and they're all rising up on this night to basically wipe them out and take over the world um and uh the um i forget her name definitely has a feeling um, of
1: eat the rich
2: yeah it's kind of yeah it's like the the uh occupy wall streets um yeah. kind of wet dream um and so at the center of it all is the mom of the family played by lupita Nyong'o, yes. and um there's kind of a personal connection between what happens on this night and something that happened to her in her childhood Mm -hmm. um which we won't get to just yet but uh she's kind of the thread that we follow throughout this whole thing
0: yeah and yeah she's the main character yeah it was through her perspective that we you know live this night of absolute madness midnight madness
4: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
3: And yeah, that like, sounded like oh my god. What? That actually that noise right there sounded like uh her oh, the, uh, her, the te- way she talks. her her tether
4: oh, yeah. the way that she, she talked. <laughs> talk. <laughs> Fuck that's too much for
2: <laughs> It's very easy to do that in a
0: way that damages your voice, so I would not recommend it. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, like this was I love to get out so much, and like
1: it's. I will say it's hard to watch Get Out and then this back to back, which is what I did. Mm. It's <laughs> Why did you do back to back? Well, not back to back, but like, well, Get Out came out in two thousand seventeen, and this yeah. came out in two thousand nineteen. So, majority of the people watching it and interested in it had two years,
4: mm, okay. so
1: watching it back to back, like in the same week. Yeah. Actually, I think it was like the next day for me. Like it was. There is so much to compare, and then so much to be let down on. Right, that's pretty much
0: yeah. Like this movie was very much an attack on base movie where like you had the family and they're trying to defend their family against this outside force. Mm -hmm. Like you see that in the Purge movies, the Strangers, Mm -hmm. a lot of sci-fi movies, The Thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, so he's dialing it back. But going into it, I knew there was some sort of commentary with it, Mm -hmm. and then it hits you. In the third acts, where because like throughout the entire, I'm like, why is this happening? Why are there doubles of people? Why are they coming from like the beneath the crust of the earth? Mm -hmm. Like I was like, what's happening? And then it's revealed that everyone in America has a doppelganger. It's not explained why. I assume it's from government meddling. Yeah, they kind
2: of imply it. mm -hmm. Like at one point, um. The the daughter just kind of out of nowhere is like, did you know they put fluoride in the water to mind control people in the kind of earnest yet random way that children do? Um, and then so, for me as a conspiracy theorist, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So they – Well, am they, I the crazy true. one? They, they kind of set it up at, uh, at the beginning, but you're also not meant to look too closely. Like if you try to take yeah. this movie too literally, you'll bend yourself at knots. And you'll end up as a CinemaSins video.
0: But that line was inserted in the beginning to set up the themes that were come later, which is some sort of distrust towards they did something wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well,
1: it's not necessarily that mm -hmm. it's just like there's an A class people Mm -hmm. and a B class people and the B class people are suppressed by the A class people. Mm -hmm. And so much so that they've been hidden away from society for, well, Mm -hmm. in this movie forever. Yeah. Because no one knows that they exist. And they're like, this is it. This is our moment. We have to unite and stand up against this. And that's what generates this, I guess, horror movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So. They're sick and tired of eating rabbits, you know. Yeah, because they
0: live in the tunnels beneath the surface. And it's like, it's not like caves. It's like government facilities. Like, it's it's built out like a subway. Yeah, like tile
2: floors and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Right.
0: And like, the cinematography. Was so awesome because, mm. like, the way they revealed it was except for one shot, but we'll get to that. Okay, CinemaSins over here. <laughs> so, Bing. they were like, Oh, so in the beginning of the movie, um, it looks like they're at Santa Barbara Beach, Santa Cruz, yeah, Santa, okay, yeah, Santa mm-hmm. Cruz, like, they're on this pier with like you know, carnival stuff on it. And like the way it's filmed, it's like they're walking down the pier and like people are like playing games and like doing other stuff. And then it hard cuts as contrast to this tunnel that these mm-hmm. bee people are held in and it's they're doing the same things. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. But
2: like What's it, happening? They, they're
0: testing people. They're they testing them. Can they act people? like zombies? Mm-hmm. Like they're um, all like strung out and it's like Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, the, the idea is that the
2: government has cloned everybody, like, like figured out how to do it. Um,
1: but It's not necessarily like, that it's a shadow, because it seems like the movie mirrors, like, if I'm doing this up here in the A world as an A person, uh-huh. my B person down there is also doing that. Right. So that, that's the part where I was like, I, I don't get the rules of this world. And it, that's what lost. Anyway, it, it was meant
4: to
2: be a control thing. So oh. they figured out how to clone people, but um, they end up with like two people sharing one soul. And so the thought right. was yes. that they have all these like underclass people, uh, the tethered they call them. Um, and if you can control them, then you can you can control the people on the surface.
0: Hmm. So like say like the human body is like an AM FM radio, and there's yeah. two of them, and they're feeding into the same frequency the soul consciousness Mm -hmm. so it's like two tv sets with the same program on
2: yeah you can think about it but you know one's nicer than the other one that's interesting
3: and since we're on the topic of souls do we want to like spoil the ending yet because that's a whole conversation if you if we don't do that now (laughs) this movie has almost nothing to talk about
2: yeah, we, we might
1: as well that. get into
3: it. Yeah, because I mean there's the idea that these like these B people, these tethered people are not supposed to have souls. That's why they're down there, that's why they've been casted away. Mm-hmm. And it's revealed that um uh oh my god, what's what, this is why I have names up. Lupita Nyong'o? Lupita Nyongo, yeah. Her character, it's revealed that she was the B character mm-hmm. and that she basically reversed her roles with the A character and up top, she was able to find love. She was able to create a family. She has a soul. Mm-hmm. Nurture over nature. Mm-hmm. She was raised to be a human, and that's that's what she is. She is yeah.
2: human. She ends up killing the uh, uh, the shadow uh, copy of her.
3: Which um, really wasn't the shadow copy of her. Right. The, they, they
2: swapped out uh, in her childhood when she had that encounter in the, uh, in the uh, mirror funhouse.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was the A version of herself that started this revolution to unite hands on the surface. Yes. Right.
2: And, and that's where you have the hands across America framing device come in. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, where they. Uh, We're taking
1: a stand against this tyranny.
2: Yeah. And that's, it, it's such an inter- interesting framing device because um, I don't know if you've read up or, on it or are familiar with it, but it was this kind of charity fundraiser thing. Um, yeah.
0: It was the combat homelessness and the mentally ill. Yeah, and I
2: think it's so interesting that they used it for this movie because you have this recurring theme of kind of the the, the haves and the have-nots, the upper class versus the lower class, mm-hmm. and Hands Across America kind of represents that, where you have this kind of upper class participating in this ridiculous display where you know they're going to hold hands across America and they raise a bunch of money to end hunger in America,
0: and hunger still goes on.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: it's the equivalent of like changing your Facebook profile picture with a filter. Yeah. Like, I'm helping. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. It's like
2: making this display that you're actually doing something about the problem, but not um, actually doing it. Is
0: it posturing? Yeah. What's this, what's the term? Well, virtue signaling. Virtue, virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. 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 It's yeah. That was virtue signaling in the, in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like this movie takes that idea where it's like, Oh, like, we're helping, but like they're not really helping. And like, if you look at this current state of affairs, like homelessness is pretty high. And what are we doing for those people? Nothing. We cast them into the gutter, mm-hmm. which is what we did to the B people in this in the movie Us. Like, they you live underground. Yeah, we don't need to see you. You'll you, don't, eat you, don't, you don't raw exist. rabbit. <laughs> yeah, eat raw rabbit. Like, if I don't see you, I don't. I don't think of the problem. The problem mm-hmm. does not exist. And those people are like. No, like, we're human, too.
1: Yeah. I want to say the main problem with that concept, though, is that literally no one knows they exist. So why is this a problem? Like, you can't blame the the A person for not knowing this B world even exists. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was like, okay, another moment of, the like, government knows. I'm not, I don't care about the B people. The government knows.
2: The government knows. So. The government knows when you masturbate. <laughs> You ever seen that video? No. Go what, look it up. What is that? It's hilarious. Anyway, oh um, you do have a point, Ruch. Um, And that's kind of where this is a weaker movie than Get Out, um, where the, the, the metaphors don't quite line up all the way. Right. Um, like, for example, I don't... Should have been
1: like Gangs of New York. Where yeah. all the tribes come together and they're going to stand together for the greater good.
2: Yeah. Um. I don't know if anybody knows this but if you eat nothing but rabbit you will actually die because you're not getting any fat. Rabbit is such a lean meat that if it's like just protein you'll end up dying. Same thing with fish. Mm. Yeah. Um I don't know if the producers of the movie knew that and they're Wait. and they're basically just like having fun with it saying like, you know, don't take this too seriously, like we you know whatever. Yeah. Or if it's just a mistake, but it, 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 in either case, you can't look at this movie too literally because it's like how do they make 300 million red jumpsuits down in this tunnel without
0: any supplies? How do
3: they all get scissors?
0: Yeah. Um, That's when you need to suspend your
1: disbelief yeah. because there's a watching lot a of suspend your disbelief in this. Yeah.
3: You're just like,
4: eh,
2: whatever. Have a fun time. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you brought up scissors uh, because a recurring theme of this movie is like two, two things coming together uh, to make a, like a greater whole um so you have the two bodies sharing the same soul mm-hmm. um 1111 comes up a lot yeah um and even in the hands across america video at the beginning you have san francisco the golden gate bridge the two spires on that and you also okay. have the two towers in new york city 1111 um and the scissors themselves are two uh blades on a hinge that come together um, hmm. So there's a lot of symbolism there, <laughs> but um, yeah, you can't take it too literally. Cause like, why are they all using scissors? Why don't they all have knives? If they have, if they can make jumpsuits for everybody, why not have knives or like a better weapon? But if you or, think about man, it, a like hey. knife is just a
1: blade with the handle coming together. <laughs> <laughs> there's two blades. Yeah. Make scissors. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Uh, yeah. yeah. At, one, at one point there's a baseball game that's tied 11 to 11 and who's playing, but Minnesota the Twins. Oh, wow.
0: I'm not making this up. That's a lot of huh. attention to detail. Yeah, I, I yeah. like that. Yeah. I didn't I didn't catch that. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. This film's actually pretty smart.
2: Yeah, um, but it's <laughs> at the service of a ridiculous, bonkers premise. Yeah. That yeah. you just can't take a, a close enough look at or Maybe. go
1: eye-crossed. Maybe it's just... Should we outline the premise? Didn't we just do that? Yeah, I well, it was like dude. the main idea, yeah. but I guess yeah. the movie is just like the doppelganger family, like a B family versus a family. Mm-hmm. And that's like 80% of the film. Mm-hmm. Right. And w- when you had
2: the home invasion scene at the summer house, um, that's like an, it pretty much finishes up like an hour into the movie. So I'm like, and that's what I thought most of the movie was going to be about be about it's like you have this these doppelgangers and this home invasion and it's like when that ended and there's still an hour of movie left i'm like oh no where's this going (laughs) oh no um fortunately it's pretty good after that and they were building up some bigger concepts the
1: second half was way better than the first half Mm -hmm. yes Yes.
2: um and that's where was
1: better than the the foreplay (laughs) um
2: but yeah and, and this is where i started to feel like this was was not as good a movie as get out where I yeah. felt like um, the, the pacing wasn't quite as tight and neat. Um, with us, it felt like it could have been like 20, 30 minutes shorter and still have completely filled its purpose. Yeah. Um, not that it wasn't an entertaining one, but I, I started to feel it drag in
1: some parts. As I just don't understand what the purpose of that first half was. Because it wasn't entertaining at all. It was mm-hmm. just basic. Like we could film those scenes here right now. We have a house. We have our cell phones to film something. Mm-hmm. Let's do some intruder stuff. That's really what it is. And it, it wasn't scary. It wasn't like it wasn't even like the cinematography was making it scary in any way. Mm-hmm. Like was this film supposed to be scary?
2: Um, a, a lot of it I think, I think is developing some characters, building them up, um, especially Lupita's character where they establish, you know, she had PTSD at a young age and like when they're at the beach and her son wanders off, she freaks out and it feels very similar to Jaws in that respect and of course he's got a Jaws shirt on. <laughs> um and you, you and there's some there's some symbolism going on with uh Tim Heidecker's family um and Elizabeth Moss where both families, the white family and the black family are they're well off enough that they can have a summer home and just talk about bougie nonsense um but like his boat is nicer, and um the black dad's boat is like a piece of crap, so it's like <laughs> even even then when they're even, there's still some like uh class commentary going on um so yeah there's there's plenty of that in the first half. I wouldn't say it's completely worthless,
1: but um. It, I was mostly it, just commenting on like the action elements I felt yeah. like we're just like so token and, and like stock
3: and well what, what I was gonna say is I think this movie definitely I think Jordan Peele leans more into horror into this movie too from mm-hmm. get out which is yeah. why everyone keeps comparing it to get out because they're like well like yeah get Out's great but in its own sense both movies are totally different like get out just barely touches that horror I've I noticed in us that Jordan Peele's starting to get more into there, which yes. is why it's going to be interesting. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself with nope and expectations. But I kind of notice that he's going to, I think he might start ramping things up in that horror genre. It mm-hmm. might actually just start leaning more into that while hopefully still keeping those strong characters, right. which, I mean, obviously he still can do that, I think, with us. Um, yeah it's still still a little rough around the edges but Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and that typically happens with like a director's second movie because it's like you have all this time and energy to devote to your first project does well all right do another one uh okay and then you have like what a year to turn around something interesting it's just not enough time
3: yeah you're you're you're, yeah you feel like you might get rushed a little bit and I mean, I don't know if that's re- if that's really the case with Jordan Peele, but yeah. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed us for what it was,
0: but yeah,
3: yeah, I enjoyed it too. Like, but like, but yeah, get out was the far superior
0: movie. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he has enough clout to be like, I'll take my time, but he also probably needs money. Yeah, it's yeah. like I also would like a paycheck. Yeah, and, a movie. and you have to solidify the career shift as well.
2: Because, yeah. you know, directing a film that could be a one-off, um, but it's where you direct a second and a third that it's like, okay, this is my this is my career now. Yeah. Um, there there are two moments that stood out to me as far as like this doesn't make sense or it could have been way better. Um, the first is there's a shot at the end and they use this shot multiple times. Is this the cinematography
1: um, shot you were talking yeah. about? Okay, good. I was hoping you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one know.
2: shot where um the kind of top world Lupita um, is, goes underground to search for her son that um, the kind of underworld Lupita uh, has kidnapped. And uh, she corners her in this classroom, and uh, she's like drawing these stick figures holding hands on the chalkboard. And um, there's a shot where it's, uh, it's got both of them facing the camera they're both in frame, and the underworld Lupita is, like, right up on the camera, way close up. And the kind of above ground Lupita is in the background. And it's very surprising because throughout all this movie, all the doubling um, effects are done really, really well. Like, there's um, there's a shot of Lupita, like, smashing Lupita into the, like, glass coffee table Mm -hmm. and you see the reflection of both of them in the glass and it's like oh that's really well done and then this shot she's like right on camera and there's an obvious green screen effect and then lupita in the background there's like this smearing and smudging along the edges of the foreground lupita it's so distracting but they kept going to that shot like five or six times um Hmm. so that's that's complaint number one complaint number two um besides all the kind of fanciful leaps of logic you have to or disbelief that you have to suspend Uh the second one is when disbelief suspending (laughs) when, when the, when the underground family like confronts the above ground family and has them right where they want them. They're kind of explaining their purpose of why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and besides not being able to understand what underground Lupita is saying, um, there's at this point, someone in the family asks like, who are you people? And, uh, the below ground Lupita just like kind of smiles and says, we're Americans.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And that didn't really mm-hmm. make sense to me. And I'm curious to know what you think about that because mm-hmm. from one sense, it could be basically her saying like, Hey, we're people too. We have value. We matter. Mm-hmm. Um, on Are the you- other hand, if that's not what she's saying and it's, it, it it felt like a very beat you over the head, direct kind of, um, satirical comparison that I thought, like, Jordan Peele would be better than to do. And it didn't make sense to me. What do you think about that?
0: I thought it was what you said at first, which is, like, we're people, too. And that's the commentary, I think, that's mm. throughout the entire film, which is it's like, yeah, like, we may be clones, but we have a soul, too. Like, we're human. Like, we're yeah no better than you, so why are we living in this hole and you're above ground Okay, type of thing? I think it could have been done better, but that's just me. But I think that's what the commentary was when okay. I was watching it. I don't think it was meant to be satirical. Okay. And if it is, it might be unintentional comedy. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit... It's an interesting way to do it.
2: That's yeah. That that was one of the only points where I was just like, "Huh, what?" While watching this movie, mm-hmm. but uh, that seems to make sense. Yeah,
0: that's just me. But yeah, I mean, I think overall it was for second movies. It was pretty good. I mean, yes. it could have been it could have been disastrous. Like no one has the Midas touch, but like for turning around a project that quick, I think he while saying something and being unique. Cause like we've seen this style before with like the purge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The strangers. So it's like, what new thing are you bringing to the table this time around? It's like, we've seen this idea before and I think he kind of makes it unique. Mm-hmm. Cause like we're talking about right now. It's just rare to have, a
2: movie with such a wide release as this that feels like it has a singular creative voice behind it. Mm. And is not just made by a film studios committee. Um, and I I think that should be celebrated.
3: Yeah.
0: I think we need that more.
3: I was going to say a scene that sticks out in my head is that boat scene Mm -hmm. where he, where, um, uh, the dad is fighting against his tethered self and throughout that whole scene with the boat and how he eventually kills his tether self accident with the boat, that sticks out a lot in my mind. It's probably like to me in my eyes, it's one of the funnier, funnier and gruesome scenes. It is. Yeah. Of that, of that movie. They, they build it up though. Like you have to yeah. knock the
2: motor a certain way to get it working. <laughs> and he ends up doing it with his face. Which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and even they have a reversal to that later where um, he goes on Tim Heidecker's yacht, the B yacht. And um, they set it up earlier that, um, you know, Tim thought ahead to get a flare gun for the boat while uh, the dad did not. And so uh, you have this moment where he's uh, hiding in the boat, waiting for his tethered self to to show up and, or no, it was um, the the anti Tim Heidecker uh, to show up and, He reaches through the shadows of the flare gun and fires it at him, and it just completely misses and bounces off. Um, I
0: thought it bounced off him. Yeah, something like that. It's a flare.
2: Yeah, it didn't like. You have to be like
0: point blank to like. It didn't immolate him. Yeah. Yeah. It's not not a movie. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's It's not a movie. had Had a moment of clarity and levity, and then they end up just fist fighting. But yeah. Yeah. Every little thing they build up. Like, when uh, when the daughter uh, complains at the beginning of the movie, like, I never get to drive, like, I'm trying to get my permit, and I can totally drive, why don't you let me? And then later is in a position where she has to drive away to make the escape. It's lovely. It's lovely.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, I thought it was a good movie. Um, I, was gonna I say wouldn't something. recommend it, though. You wouldn't would, recommend it? No. Oh. I was far
1: too bored. I was on my phone for most of the time. Hmm. Abby was too.
0: Do you think if you were in a theater, you would have enjoyed it more?
1: No.
3: That's fair. Oh, that's no.
1: I would recommend Get Out. It was way better. But us, it's just so it's so boring. So
2: this boring. more than Get Out felt like a Twilight Zone episode. Yes, That yeah. got stretched out to feature length.
1: Yeah, another like what yes. if concept that. Yes.
2: And this also kind of demonstrates that Jordan Peele is very much a kind of high concept kind of director Mm -hmm. where um, you have these bizarre, wacko ideas that maybe it would be better if someone else wrote the actual script for it, Mm -hmm. um, but he's willing to have this kind of grand creative vision, and that's probably what got him the Twilight Zone job.
0: Yes, I agree. And before we jump into the Twilight Zone, there's one detail I wanted to talk about with us, which is... One of the background characters, he held up a sign, Jeremiah eleven eleven. Yes. And I was like waiting for that to be explained in the movie. I was like, okay, what about that? And it was never explained. No. But so I looked it up and this is what it says. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Hmm which perfectly encapsulates the movie because you have these doppelgangers unrelentingly killing people and there is no help.
2: Yes. And I think in context of that verse, God is basically speaking through Jeremiah to the Israelite people saying like, Hey, uh, it's been a while and you ain't calling. Um, y'all are chasing after all these false gods Um, if you don't knock it off, then I'm going to cart you all off to Babylon. And of course they don't listen to Jeremiah and off to Babylon they go. Um, so it's very much like you guys are, um, you know, committing evil in my name and subjugating others. Um, this judgment's coming for you and there's nothing you can do about it, which of course is the main theme of the movie with where you have this kind of underclass, uh, of people rising up above the upper class. Wow.
0: That perfectly sums up the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, like this movie definitely felt like a bloated Twilight Zone episode. And as you put it, that's what gave Jordan Peele the chuspa mm-hmm. to get the Twilight Zone reboot. Like yes. when they rebooted Twilight Zone, I was I was like, Whoa, are you serious? And like for anybody to do it. I think Jordan Peele was the perfect choice to do it.
2: Yes. It's just a shame that they put it behind CBS
0: All Access. Same thing with, like, Star Trek Discovery. Like, Star Trek, before now, it was on normal TV. Mm-hmm. Everyone can as- access it. Yeah. And putting it behind a paywall... Ironically. Yeah, just, I know. Just putting it behind
3: another streaming service in general yes. is... It was not it right. it. Yeah,
0: and like with Twilight Zone, like same thing. It was on normal TV up until now, and it's like, oh, we have to monetize this, and it's like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Like why? Like, wouldn't it be better to have it be accessible to everybody?
3: Yeah, or put it on one of the more popular streaming services like like Hulu or right.
0: But Armand. There's a profit to be made. Yeah, they that's, can't do that. That's kind of the point of all these movies. It's like, like I wish, like even though I want just artists to fully explore the medium, mm-hmm. in order for them to get funding, they need to have interests of these movie studios. Yes, and they need to make money. So it's like, <sighs> all right, I get it, but it's like CBS could have totally put it on. What Was it Channel 2? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they totally could have had it on TV. What is TV TV. anymore? What is TV? It's on my phone. How does it work? You
4: turn it on.
3: (laughs) Get the remote.
0: Unbelievable. I know.
3: TV is having dish, and then when it storms, you you can't watch anything. Right.
0: (laughs) Maybe we should talk about the original Twilight Zone. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know about you guys. It's kind of like the common question (laughs) I'm proposing. Um, So I watched the Twilight Zone when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I applaud my parents because they exposed me to such awesome old TV. Yes. I used to watch so much, like looking back, so much black and white TV. Like it was Twilight Zone, um, The Three Stooges, I Love Lucy, like all these like classics. Mm -hmm. And with the twilight zone by rod sterling i mean to this day it holds up like it's so good Mm -hmm. like the premises that he proposes the ideas being expressed and like the commentary being expressed too, is absolutely incredible and it makes you think like this like creepy short stories Mm -hmm. have a message to be told and I think Rod Sterling kind of revolutionized that back in the 1960s
3: oh he for sure did it's inspiring mm-hmm. I mean it still has lasting impact to this day
0: yeah yeah
2: so that was back when television was mostly a writer's medium um, it was seen as much more disposable than movies uh, especially at the time but also in some respect today um, that shifted entirely. Television is kind of the hot medium now, um, or not television per se, but streaming media, episodic narratives, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, it's like writers were the only ones who were um, mainly interested in in creating for TV, um, and so um, what's what, what's fascinating about Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone. Um, is that much like Gene Roddenberry with Star Trek, um, is that they're using science fiction as kind of a lens to explore, um, the social issues that we have today. So, um, and there's this great interview you can find on YouTube with Rod Serling, um, and they're talking about like black representation and, um, and the, the, Uh, civil rights issues like back in the 60s Mm -hmm. uh, on TV and he explains that you know I use these kind of stories to shed a light on what we're experiencing today and that's very much true with uh, the Twilight Zone where you have these kind of high concepts um, these weird outlandish uncanny situations that end up having something to say about how we live our lives today and I think Jordan Peele um, approaches horror from the same perspective where instead of sci-fi using horror to kind of poke and prod at these issues that we're experiencing every day of our lives.
0: Yeah. And I was shocked when Jordan Peele announced, well, I guess CBS announcing that twilight zones coming back hosted by Jordan Peele and thinking about it, it makes perfect sense. Like of all people, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Like he's like, I mean, not to toot his horn, but he's like almost the modern day Rod Sterling. Like Rod Sterling and Jordan Peele have very similar political views. They have similar creativity with them. So like, it just it's like a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame that COVID killed the show. COVID killed yeah. a lot of things, a lot of people, and it killed the Twilight Zone. And it's like, oh before like i could easily see this going for another 5 years. Mhm. So
1: why would you say that? It doesn't have good reviews.
0: I thought it was great. Cuz like i was a fan of the original series and i thought it was i was like this is the original series but modern. It's like take those concepts, apply them now, you know, modern cinematography. Cuz i tried watching Twilight Zone episodes from the 80s. Whew. They're not. Rough? Bad. No. They're, it's, it's
3: bad. I was like, oh, Ooh. God. It's bad. Don't even bother. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've only seen bits and pieces of the tw- Twilight Zone. So Ever? Like, ever. Like the, ori- like, the original? Yeah. I've only seen bits and pieces. I've been meaning to actually, like, sit down and actually, like, watch them. But I mm-hmm. remember watching them, like, through school. And my parent, my, my dad used to watch it. So I would catch it here and there with him. There were some episodes he'd be like, "Okay, you need to leave."
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody's got a pig for a face. Oh, that's yeah. one of my favorite episodes. You probably
0: step out, son. I yeah. have the beholder. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I'm pretty sure if I watched that episode when I was young, yeah, that probably would have scared me because ET scared me. Oh yeah, really? So that scarred me for life. What? Yeah, I can't watch alien movies now. No way. Yeah, it's you whoa, came it's on it's the bad. podcast
0: with the thing.
3: I know, I know. That that's a different type of alien. I'm talking about like the greys, like oh, that type of those type of aliens. No little green men for you. Yeah, no little green, men, no, oh, no no E. T. looking things for me. Okay. So So I can't do Star Wars. Or Chud. Star <laughs> Star Wars is fine at times. There are there are some creature designs really? that just have wow. like sent shivers down my spine. That's like
0: I love that visceral
3: reaction. It's like no.
0: Yeah. Fear of the the unknown.
3: Yeah. Wow. But that's why I like the like the Twilight Zone too, because yeah. it's like that's that's all it that's all it's about is like the unknown. All the possibilities and yeah. I thought giving Jordan Peele the reins to that was was a good call. It it really a good is. call. So, so. I, I, have, I have I have
2: mixed feelings about uh the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone. Um so truth be told, I watched a few episodes of the original Twilight Zone, then a few episodes of Uh, the jordan peele twilight zone and i I, i'm really of kind of of two minds about this because while while watching us i thought you know this would be a great twilight zone episode like why why doesn't he shift his focus onto something more um episodic shorter get get some bite-sized pieces yeah um and then i had the opposite thought when i was watching um the twilight zone episodes i'm like yeah, I can kind of see like why he kind of cut his teeth on movies, and maybe he'd be a better director for that. And maybe it's the case where it's hard for a director like that to kind of um, have a have a foot on each horse. Um, and maybe he is hasn't found his niche yet, or just um, hasn't found the right project. But I'm like, uh, there are times when I really wish he would stick to movies. And I think he's better suited for that. And there's times where I'm like these kind of high concept, but kind of low, um, like he has these great concepts that can't really fill a movie, but would be great for TV. But yeah. then I feels like he needs more of that time in a, in a feature length format to mm. properly flesh out those ideas. Mm-hmm. And otherwise they're kind of undercooked. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really conflicted about this. Okay. That makes sense. Like, what if, say CBS was like, you know what? We're bringing it back. We're bringing back Twilight Zone. Like, we have more budget. We can allot to it because, you know, we're getting out of the pandemic. What if they're like, Jordan Peele, you're the showrunner, but you just oversee everything. You approve scripts written by other people. So he has his team of writers, mm-hmm. but he's like the boss. He does like the big swings. It's like, okay, we're moving the show this way.
2: I'd probably enjoy it um, just based on how I reacted to Candyman Mm -hmm. um, because he did not direct um, or write that. He like co-wrote it and executive produced, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thoroughly enjoyed that. So he's maybe that's kind of the role that he really shines in is kind of setting the vision for what he wants and then collaboration. Yeah. Leaving the details to everybody
0: else. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting way to look at it. I think that would be if they were to bring back Twilight Zone. That would be ideal, that they would have him as the administrator. Not like, you're going to write mm-hmm. 20 scripts yeah. for this show. Do it again next year. It's like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. going to run out of ideas.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so, Rutch, I got to ask. Did you get into Twilight Zone as a kid or as an adult?
1: Um, No,
3: I've never seen Twilight Zone.
1: <gasps>
0: Ever? Oh, my God.
3: No, I don't have any exposure to it. Whoa. Do we have to end this podcast right now and go <laughs> watch a couple episodes?
1: <laughs> um, And then I watched the first episode of Jordan Peele's, the uh, comedian one.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah. With the little cameo by uh, was it Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, that was great. So actually I was like, man, he needs to do more. Like I like that. That was my, I like that approach. <laughs> like he played like a really good, like, I don't know what kind of character, like just a, I don't know. I just liked him. I liked him as a character and I've only ever been exposed to him through SNL stuff and I've just haven't seen him
3: outside of it. So I was like, all right, do more of that. I've always enjoyed Tracy Morgan. Yeah. When I saw him, I was just like, I, I need more, more of him. Right. Cause I, Yeah, I don't want to get too much into Tracy Morgan, but (laughs) right because he doesn't really have that much to do with this. But I just thought, oh,
1: it was nice to see him. It was was refreshing. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: So, Ruch, since you've never seen a Twilight Zone episode and you saw Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone, right? What did you think about the whole concept behind it? I'm just curious since you've never been exposed to the original series.
1: So, um, I can't say I think highly of this. series i haven't seen them all but they're all averaging like 5.5 to 6.5 so right there i'm like great i how am i supposed to get excited to watch these Mm -hmm. but when i watched the first one um i was like this is like black mirror Mm -hmm. except for black mirror does it way better so i was like how do i i i don't want to give that much more time to this Cause black mirror just does it better. Mm. So is black mirror like twilight zone? The, the one you like, whatever his name is.
0: Rod Sterling. Yeah. Rod Sterling. Um, yes. Okay. When black mirror came about, like the last twilight zone series reboot was like back in the eighties. So like when black mirror came out, it was being compared to, Hey, this is like the twilight zone. It's an anthology series. It's all these dark tales, right? Just like the twilight zone. And that's how it was marketed. Right. It's like if you like Twilight Zone, you would like Black Mirror. It's like Twilight yeah. Zone, but with like a little bit more edge to it. Right.
1: But even Black Mirror, there's like, if some if it doesn't really hit well, you could probably just skip it. They're all individual stories, anyways. So there's nothing, you're not like you have to watch this to stay stick with it for the greater story. So yeah. you could just watch the ones that you've been told are great and you'll be fine. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought the comedian was, it was fine. It was just fine.
4: All yeah. right.
0: You should have watched yeah. episode two. I started with episode two because...
3: Okay. Oh. because So I got
0: Paramount Plus and I was like, okay, Twilight Zone. And I was like, I can watch the first episode or I can watch this episode, which is about a plane starring Adam Scott. How can I
1: resist? But I like... I I like oh, one. man. What's his name? Kam- Kamal? Oh, yeah. I think yeah. he's funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He, he's great. Yeah. I like him in um, Silicon Valley. I always love his comedy in that. And then uh, there was a skit on YouTube where he plays – he's, like, trying to pitch himself as Han Solo. Have you guys seen that? No. It's been completely removed from the internet.
3: Really? I don't
1: know why. Wow. I need to find it on the Darknet somewhere. It is hilarious. <laughs> but it was when – before Disney was coming out, and uh, so I think it was Nerd um, – Nerdist? Yeah, Nerdist made it. Mm. And it was just like, we're in the booth, and he's like – i han solo
3: he's like trying to they're
1: like <laughs> like him and like a couple other people were trying to like trying to pitch to someone yeah. that they can be the new han solo for disney or something like that it was great anyways i like him as a character um so that's why i watched it i was like oh, that's the first one and um and i like him as an actor so i'll just do it it's okay. fine it was fine it was like a, it was a fine episode i there's nothing like nothing bad about it but there's also like Nothing really worth talking about it. And I was, I was like, okay, well, that's it. So, But now that I'm looking at IMDb later, I realize, oh, and then I was like, Jordan Peele didn't really do a whole lot with these. Yes, he's the narrator. And he was in that episode for like five seconds as the narrator. And I was like, that could just be completely cut. Why is this here? As an outside, like, yeah. I've never seen. Twilight Zone twilight zone i'm like Mm -hmm. why is this is unnecessary because the episode already began Mm -hmm. and then we cut to like the narrator for like a a half moment explaining exactly what we just saw i was like this doesn't need to be here i'm not gaining anything so and then i realized okay so he's not really doing much with twilight zone like yeah he's like probably the um, like a writer but he didn't direct any of the episodes and he's only actually in them as the narrator for a half moment so I didn't really see a whole lot of Jordan Peele in the first episode, and I, I would imagine he's not, like his style or his personality mm-hmm. isn't coming out in the other episodes. No, he's
0: so, the Twilight Zone, the original series. Each of these stories was presented by Rod Sterling. He comes wearing a suit. Mm-hmm. He's like, "What you're about to watch, is you know, a look into blah 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 into the Twilight Zone," mm-hmm. and. Jordan Peele is like, I'm going to pay homage to that Mm -hmm. and kind of be Rod Sterling and like present these stories. Like what you're seeing is a a glimpse into the Twilight Zone. So
1: Mm -hmm. I didn't buy the Twilight Zone. I don't know what that is. Like to me, like I'm coming from the Black Mirror perspective. I'm like, this is just a nice standalone episode. It does its thing. It's social um, idea and, and it's fine. It exists.
0: So, Aaron, would you like to explain what exactly Twilight Zone is all about? Yeah, so the
2: Twilight Zone, as a concept, it's basically this... It's kind of like the Uncanny Valley, where it's that range of human experiences that is just uncanny and weird and um, kind of bends reality itself. Um, And... In the show itself, it means that you often have these kind of everyday normal people who are dropped into these weird circumstances yeah. where usually survival is on the line or finding out this mystery and um, their life has changed forever as a result. Um, and it usually ends up challenging about challenging us about what we think um, about being human and how we re- how we relate to each other yeah in this kind of uncanny surreal detached sense yeah um and that's kind of important to the whole concept of the show mm-hmm. um and the show itself i think we already talked about how it was um a bunch of like sci-fi writing meant to um engage with these social civil issues mm-hmm. um of the time but also in a broader kind of um human sense uh, where it's these kind of universal issues that we can all um, relate to, no matter your time or context. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where us slots in, mm. um, which and then which led to Jordan Peele getting the getting the reboot.
0: Yeah, and would you say that overall it was a good try to reboot the series? Because you can't like. You can't replicate the lightning in the bottle that the original series was. They tried. I thought it was... They had the first reboot, and then they had the movie. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And then... Second
0: reboot in the 80s.
2: Yeah. So um, I I, I get why they would do it. Um, To me, it's CBS trying to be like, why can't we be like Black Mirror? Yes. Um, And that's... yeah. you, you, You could see that kind of... I guess, reactionary thinking or kind of sh- limited thinking when you see their shows like star Trek, Picard or discovery. Um, and they're not exactly trying to make a quick buck, um, because they're sinking way too much time and money
0: into it, but they're kind of writing the coattails of something better. It's like CBS has rights to star Trek. They see Disney is expanding this cinematic universe. Well, yeah. we could do that, too, with our property. What do we got? And then Netflix owns Black Mirror, and mm-hmm. then CBS is like, well, we have the rights to Twilight Zone. Yeah. Let's do that. That's like Black Mirror, right?
1: <laughs> Which is ironic, just because it's, it came first. Yeah. But Black yeah. Mirror is currently doing it better.
0: Yeah, they have... It's inspired by the Twilight Zone. It's yeah. not trying to replicate it.
2: They've learned the right lessons and they're applying that in a way that really understands uh, today's culture yeah. in a way that uh, I, I think the, the reboot of Twilight Zone attempts to do and sometimes hits those notes right, but there's a lot of wrong notes as well um, in a way that just seems
0: effortless and graceful uh, for Black Mirror.
1: Yeah. I agree. Yeah, that was well said. Um, yeah.
0: I could just imagine like a corporate meeting – that's right, Jansen. We're gonna <laughs> reboot the Twilight Zone series. The
3: kids will love it. They love that Black Mirror. Yeah, <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Peel was a part of a uh, another TV show that was kind of like the, done in the same light, like an anthology series called Weird City. Really? He, he co-wrote the pilot episode. It's a oh. it's a YouTube series. Oh. I remember watching it. Interesting. And okay. it was actually really good. I remember watching that pilot episode. Yeah. And I watched all the other episodes. He was only a part of that one. Oh. And then was a part of, like, as an executive producer for yeah. the rest of them. Yeah. But that first episode, I remember that first episode being good because it was with Dylan O'Brien. See, that's what he needed to do at Twilight Zone. It's
0: like, yeah. I'll do the first episode and then I'll hire a team to be like, okay, no.
3: Because, yeah, he wasn't. I did. he wasn't involved in any of, like, the creative process at all. He was just... I feel like he was just kind of, like, there for, I don't as a money grab.
1: Hmm. I mean. Yeah. It didn't, like I said, it didn't feel like his personality was anywhere over this yeah. this IP. And then I was like, well, I'm here for his personality, so why would I stick around? So, I see. but, like, you said the second episode was pretty good, and it does say yeah. created by, or, um, I don't know, in the IMDb credits, so it seemed like he had more of, like, he did more for that episode, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize at first. So I didn't know that either. That I'll thing.
3: have to watch that second episode then. Right. Oh, it's. I should, so I should have watched the second episode instead of the so first episode. Good. Right.
0: The ending of that episode, where I'm like, I was like, oh my god, my hands were on my head. I was like, <laughs> no. It was. It was probably the best episode of season one,
1: hands down. Um. Yep. Has the highest rating. So good. almost by far, it was so because all the others are like, oh my gosh, five or below. That mm. one, uh, his episode, the second one, has a six point eight.
0: Mm. That is what we call in marketing social proofing, Oh. where you take stock in the opinions of others, such as user reviews.
3: Oh yeah, it is a story by. He does get a story by credit in that one, right? So it seemed like he had
1: more of a yeah. He's and got then the idea someone amazing, else wrote the script. So, yeah. Did yes. you watch the second one? That's, I did. You it did. was pretty good. What did you think? Is, is it holding up like Armand's like?
2: Yeah. It just felt less like the creative voice of Jordan Peele and more like oh, okay. it was filtered one or two times. Yeah. You know? And but so, like you said,
1: you didn't have enough roadway to build up the idea.
2: Yeah. Um. It, and so maybe I would have enjoyed it differently. Um, if I hadn't been watching with that in mind where I'm like, okay, this is a Jordan Peele episode of syndicate. Um, I'm watching oh, all these things with Jordan Peele in
1: mind. Right.
2: Um, and so maybe I would have enjoyed it more if I had forgotten about that. Well, that's what sec-
1: twilight zone needs to do for each of their episodes, bring in like popular directors in the space. So Jor- mm-hmm. like, like Jordan Peele, you're just going to do the second episode for us. The first one, hey, can we get like David Fincher maybe? I don't know. That'd be great. And then the third one. And then they just do like five to ten per season. And that what brings you to it and what makes it a little bit different than Black Mirror is those iconic directors. Right. Black Mirror kind of does it in a way – well, I guess Twilight Zone does it too. They bring in popular actors and that's that actor for Mm -hmm. them. But Mm. I feel like the director also needs to be – there as well. Absolutely. Because all these directors here are listed. I'm just like, I don't know you. I don't yeah. know you.
0: It's, they're hired guns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and it I think it shows. Me, they're working. Yeah. It makes me think of, uh, The Walking Dead, where the later seasons, they had high profile directors direct some episodes like Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. which was oh, the biggest. Right. I was like, what? He's a real director. It's not really? like a hired gun works in Hollywood. Was yeah. he the
1: one that did Dusk Till Dawn? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah wow. That, I, See, I need to watch that episode then because I want to see his perspective on I mean, how does he take a Walking Dead mm-hmm. type IP mm-hmm. and make it his own.
0: Yeah. It was good. So try to so, find it.
1: Yeah. So what would you do to make? So do you think Twilight Zone will ever come back then? Or I don't think so. Yeah. I think
0: CBS is probably going to, you know, at the way things turn over now, probably in like four years we'll have another reboot with like a uh-huh. different narrator and not Jordan Peele. Hmm. And it'll probably do worse. And then they'll probably leave it alone for a long time.
2: Yeah. That I sounds think, about right. I think the twilight zone needs Jordan Peele a
0: lot more than Jordan Peele needs <laughs> twilight zone. <laughs> yeah. So I cause think it's like it's done. Yeah, yeah. Cause like when people think of the twilight zone, it's the original series. Yeah. It's Rod Sterling. It's, it's yeah. not, it's nothing else. It's just that original run. You keep
2: saying Sterling. It's Sterling. No tea. What? Yes, yeah. sirloin, like the steak. Yes, yeah. someone gets it. Rod Sterling. <laughs> Sterling. Yes, I thought it was Rod Sterling. So did everybody else in in elementary school. When he grew up. <laughs> Is that a dig at me? I say I'm a child. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to. I the go to the stuff. library. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very
0: pacific about it. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So since Jordan Peele. The Twilight Zone, Mm -hmm. he rebooted a classic series that further gave him the Yeah. to write a horror reboot, Candyman. So it was a reboot of the 1992 movie, Candyman. Mm -hmm. And growing up, I didn't see Candyman, but I knew Candyman Mm -hmm. because my friend's uh, father owned a video store and we would be in there a lot. Back when video stores were a thing. Yeah. And we would see the covers of all these movies, new releases, and Candyman was one of them. And we were like, oh, scary. <laughs> Candyman. Yeah. Because like you think like, Oh, he he's Candyman. It's the candy. It's a good thing. Not in this case. No. He's a bad man.
1: Very bad man. <laughs> <laughs> Very bad man.
0: <laughs> so um Doug, would you like to explain the uh, overall premise of Candyman?
3: I'm a bad person to explain Candyman, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) So, Candyman's based on this like urban legend Mm -hmm. because, like, I'm brand new to this. This is like. Mm -hmm. Even when we're on a budget, we
0: still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.
3: For this this Candyman reboot or continuation, whatever it was, was it confirmed to be an actual reboot? It's a it's a soft uh, reboot. It's a soft, right? re- yeah. it's a soft it's, reboot. Okay. It's
2: like a sequel, but it's following like all the main beats of the original. So
3: <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So it's based on this ur- ur- urban legend that was also raised. I feel like I'm getting too into depths now of the actual. It, it's kind of an
2: amalgam of a few different urban legends. Yes. Um, yeah. You have the the hook hand legend, which is very old, but it's basically like a lover's lane. And then they're stalked by this killer who has a hook for a hand and they drive off at the last second and the hook's left on the car uh, door handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so, um, you, you also have uh, this legend of Bloody Mary, where okay. if you say her name like seven times in a dark mirror then she'll appear uh and they also kind of part of that but not as central is this urban legend of people leaving razor blades in halloween candy yeah uh so all these kind of come together to form a candy man
3: yeah and it's and it's set in chicago's cabrini green yes um and I have so, much to
2: say about this a so bug me later
3: yeah i mean that, that, me that was yeah me too i do agree um so yeah like this community of community of Cabruti Green was terrorized by this supernatural hook handed killer that they called the Candyman, and basically this movie is set in the present day as an artist begins to explore like the history of Candyman, and basically as he unravels it, you know he discovers that he was kind of linked to it this whole yeah. time,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and yeah, just terror and bunch of shit goes down right yeah essentially a movie Mm -hmm.
2: yeah so to give a bit more background to this um you kind of have to know the story of cabrini green um going into this which all props to the director i think brendan rose um
3: for are you talking about of the original oh okay um
2: you know he he did his homework um the original story was by clive barker and he adapted it to Chicago and set it in Cabrini Green. Mm -hmm. Cabrini Green was very much, um, uh, there's these housing projects that were built in 1942, I think, in Chicago. And that's kind of where the most affordable housing was. And they had a a whole um, social system with it. Yeah. And it ended up being the ghetto, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Projects. yeah, Yeah. Projects. And so it became this kind of hub of um, of crime and violence. And then eventually, sometime in the 90s, they started demolishing these high-rises that were part of Cabrini Green um, and it kind of represented the focal point of all this crime and violence. Um, I think 2011 or 2012 is when like the final one came down. Yep. Um, and what happened then was that you have all these – Uh, all these disadvantaged people kind of evicted from these projects and then they just kind of spread to all the other neighborhoods of the city and um, these high rises come down uh, this land opens up for development and over time from the 90s on you get this gentrification where all these white people come in and start um, building these luxury condos and high rises. Um, They just completed one where it's uh, I think it's called one Chicago. It's one of the taller buildings in Chicago right now. And it's Mm -hmm. all like luxury condos. It's just a few blocks from Cabrini green. Right. Um, They're
0: building after a while.
2: Yeah. And uh, you don't have the high rises anymore, but you still have the row houses, Mm -hmm. which are kind of these like, three or four story buildings, um, mm-hmm. that are like the length of city blocks that they have people in. Um, and so all that to say is that you have Cabrini green, which are all these, um, uh, projects that are, uh, intricately tied with the violence and crime of Chicago. And then it gets divvied up and, um, it, it, the, the, the setting of the original is very much focused on these high rise projects, but then shortly after the film they started getting carved out and that's where you have the original where they update Cabrini Green and say um, now it's very very much gentrified um and it's where the family of that film uh kind of finds themselves is that they're uh they're a black family but they're well to do kind of like us um and they end up in this kind of gentrified neighborhood and I actually live like a 10 minute walk away from the filming location of
0: both the original and the sequel, uh, The Candyman. Yes. So I've walked through it because my office is down the street from there. There's mm-hmm. a target. Yeah. Cabrini Green. <laughs> Division and Larrabee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so
2: that I watched the original and the soft reboot, I guess, of uh, Candyman for this episode. And pretty much the whole time it was like, um, That that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio kind of like pointing at the TV. (laughs)
0: Like, I know where that is. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I I was distracted because like, (laughs) one, I didn't watch Candyman as a kid. And I didn't know it was Chicago. And then I was like, Cabrini Green, Mm -hmm. 1970s. I was like, what? Yeah. And then the whole movie is shot in Chicago. Like I'm like, I know where that is. Yeah. I've walked Mm -hmm. down that street. I know that street. Oh, that's Seward Park. Mm -hmm." I was like. Oh, this is so cool. Here's a
2: double twist, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in the new Candyman, uh, there's a part where the protagonist he goes to the library to research what happened to Helen from the original movie. Yes. Um, that was shot in Founders Library at Northern Illinois University, where I went to college. Really? Um, yeah. See? So I'm like, I see him <laughs> going down the 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 aisles of the library, and I'm like, I've been there. <laughs> And so they have this elevator that's like all shiny and reflective in all directions, like an infinity mirror. I'm like, yep, I've, I've ridden that elevator. That
0: is awesome. It was,
2: it was very much a personal experience for me uh, watching this mo- these bo- both of these movies. Yeah. Because so I'm like, I can almost see where I live from here. That is amazing. Uh, but yeah, the original Candyman, it's, you have this urban legend of this dude who like prays after children and has a hook for a hand. And, uh, You know, invites him in, gives him candy, and then kills him. And it's tied, the the original movie, uh, the Candyman legend is tied to a couple of different murders in the Cabrini Green neighborhood. But the police won't investigate because it's the ghetto. You don't do that if you're a CPD. Um, But you have this grad student, Helen, who goes in and starts investigating in order for, because she's doing a thesis on serial killers. And so she she's at the University of Illinois in Chicago, which is just down Harrison Street, um, not that far from Cabrini Green. So she goes to investigate and she ends up tied in with this Candyman figure who like she can see, but others can't uh, because she summoned him in the mirror. And he ends up killing a bunch of different people and she ends up framed for it until eventually she kind of like falls in love with him. Um, but then there's this reversal at the end where uh, the Candyman ends up burned on this bonfire and she ends up dying from that as well, but saving this uh, infant who's at kind of the center of the story. Um, and so it's very much like a um, it, in the style of Clive Barker. It's very gothic, romantic. It's kind of like Dracula or Frankenstein. Um, movie's awesome. Go see it if you haven't. Uh, and then... The remake kind of updates that by saying, all right, we're going to have a black family instead of a white family. Um, and they there's a link to this whole gentrification issue um, by having both of them be artists. I think one's an art dealer and one's an actual artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, early on, there's like this critic that he's talking to who kind of blames the artists for the gentrification saying yeah. like. You know, you're going to go into, you artists, you're going to go into this poor neighborhood so you can dick around and make art all day instead of an actual real job. Because rent, rent is low. Because rent is low. Then you'll make the place beautiful and then drive in everybody who drives up the rent and it evicts all the people who can't afford it. And then he kind of turns around and's like, wait a minute, it's the white people who made the ghetto to begin with. And so uh, he ends up doing... Uh, kind of like Helen with her research thesis, um, he ends up kind of investigating the Candyman legend in the area yeah. um, as a kind of art series that he's doing. And he ends up corrupted by the this mythical figure uh, into
0: kind of becoming the Candyman himself. Yeah. He's like possessed <laughs> by the spirit of the Candyman.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it's through that like bee sting kind of like in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, <clears throat> you see that wound? Oh, it's over nasty. time getting nastier, and nastier, and I'm just like, it's like, why didn't you go? Why, to why bro? Why aren't you going to the hospital? Yeah, like when he was like first picking on it, he, and it was he's like not that hard up for that cash. yay big. I was like, bro, get that checked out, dude. Just go.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, because he's on, I think Cleveland and Locust, like taking pictures and he gets bit by that bee and I'm yeah. immediately I'm thinking in movie language and I'm like the hands coming off.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and sure enough it does. Yes. Replaced by a hook.
2: God. Yes. Uh but yeah, I fucking loved both of these movies. I know I'm biased because I live like a block away, My but own. um uh I I I thought the original was just very inventive and um it, again it comes to, from that point of a filmmaker with an actual creative vision and a voice. Yeah. Um we don't get too much of those movies anymore and uh set you know, in Chicago. That, it's set in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> it's a true Chicago classic. Um mm-hmm. I would I would probably add it to my list next to like John Hughes films and Blues Brothers wow. and everything. Um and, and also what it it's what it means for uh the black population in chicago where it's like they love this movie because finally they have like a black villain mm. of a horror movie yeah um and i think even uh bernard rose he had this meeting with the NAACP, like before the movie started because he's like i don't want there to be any problems with this like help me out here and they're like why are we even having this meeting like this movie's <laughs> awesome and fun and we're f- we're finally represented so go for it Um, and yeah, there's this, uh, it's, it's very much playing off of the racial tensions where, um, especially back in the nineties, you had this idea of, um, crime is located in these neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and Cabrini Green was one of them. Uh, and it still kind of continues today Mm -hmm. where it's very much been gentrified and I, Kind of feel like I am getting away from something for living so close to it, uh, for so cheaply that I do, um, and uh, it, it, it's just the little things. Like there are no McDonald's in Cabrini Green as a neighborhood because McDonald's was like, you know what, we're just not going to build there. It's way too much trouble, crime is going to be way too high. We're not doing that, mm-hmm. and so like a five minute walk from where I live is the closest uh, McDonald's to Cabrini Green. And that's where
0: mm-hmm. Chicago and
2: Rush. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was going to school, we called it Sketch McDonald's. Because
0: <laughs> always, I've seen many fights. Yeah, in front of that McDonald's, always lot of sketchy. Homeless.
2: That's where, that's the nearest McDonald's to Cabrini Green, so that's where all the residents go if they need McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the the building next to me, the rent is, for an apartment there is like two grand a month, something like that. Yeah. And directly across the street is this Roman Catholic homeless charity. And so these people line up out, across the street from this building outside every day at 4 p.m. And it's like you could not get a clearer picture of the the haves and the have-nots mm-hmm. in Chicago than Cabrini-Green post-restructured. Yeah. Um, and all, all, all that to say that runs deep through both Candyman films is this, I, this idea of um, this kind of white fear of black people in, in a specific locale um in the city and you have this legend of the candy man tied to that um but it's it, it's it, it's not like an exploitation movie it's having fun with it it's right. like let's take this old legend let's set it in this location that everybody is ooh, afraid of you know don't don't if you're driving through don't stop um but it, it upends some of your expectations with that like the Um, In the original, the population of Cabrini-Green comes out to Helen's funeral at the end, um, and uh, Chicago police don't get off easy as well because they only start investigating the Candyman uh, legend once a white woman gets involved as a victim Mm -hmm. there, and they turn out to be equally as corrupt. Uh, So it's a bit more complicated than just an exploitation movie that it could have been.
0: Yeah, like... It can easily have been a black exploitation movie, mm-hmm. like, you know, 1970s movies. But it wasn't because, like, there is this subtext to this film where there is this systemic racism um, that's predicated by, for example, the city of Chicago, CPD, mm-hmm. where you have this housing project that's rife with crime, and yet the police do not go in there. Mm-hmm. Like, growing up, my father was a cab driver. In the 80s and 90s? Yeah. And he would tell me like, like I'm not racist, but I can't pick up certain people because there is a strong possibility that I could be either taken to the South Side and get robbed or killed, mm-hmm. or taken to Cabrini Green and get robbed and killed. Mm. So yeah, he would talk about that a lot. So like growing up, I knew of Cabrini Green, and then to subsequent when it was taken out and then all those people relocated to the western suburbs Mm -hmm. Bolingbrook Westmont uh, and Berwyn I think Mm -hmm. Cicero Um, so sorry all you Chicago (laughs) (laughs) non-natives out of towners (laughs) Uh, yeah grab a map so um, with Candyman I thought it was first of all the cinematography of this film was the best I've seen in a long time. Mm, so good. Like I was blown away. I was like, this is incredible. Yes. This the yeah. opening sequence is the most creative thing I've seen in years. It was I guess drone footage shooting reverse. So it's like up. Towards the buildings, but yeah, it was it's those, yeah. framed where it's like looking down at the buildings into thick, overcast sky.
2: Yeah, I, that. I, I thought
0: it was like uh attached to the back
2: of a car or something, like yeah. looking up, mm-hmm. but it's it's still recognizable as Chicago, especially if you live in the loop or whatever. But um, it's very much inverted and into this creepy nothingness, yeah. yeah, where it's like
0: <laughs> oh. It was amazing. I was like, this is, if this is the beginning of the movie, this is going to be an incredible movie. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away because going into it, I knew nothing. I just, all I knew was when I was a kid, my friends would akin Candyman to Bloody Mary. Mm -hmm. You can't say his name in front of a mirror or else you're going to summon him and die. Mm -hmm. That's all I knew. And, you know, I grew up close to the city, so it was like, predominantly African-American and Hispanic, and all my black friends were like, Candyman. Yeah. And then all my Hispanic (laughs) friends were like, Bloody Mary. (laughs) So I knew those legends. Yeah. But, like, little did I know going into this movie that it would have such a strong message of the haves and Mm have-nots. And it makes sense that Jordan Peele wrote this because it's like, that's up your alley.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was... This movie, or Get Out, um, but Chance the Rapper, who's a Chicago local, Mm -hmm. um, he actually bought out like all the showings for one of these movies um, in various Mm -hmm. Chicago theaters, and was basically like, just send out on Twitter, like, show up, show your ID, enjoy the movie, so that as many people as possible could enjoy it.
0: That's amazing. That's awesome. Mm -hmm.
2: He did that for Get Out. I read it that, than, Thank you. Yeah, get out.
0: That's awesome.
1: That's incredible.
2: Yeah. So, uh, with 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 Candyman, what you have here is um, both the original and the remake of Candyman. I, th- I I had this trouble where I wanted to like it more. Um, when you have a horror movie villain or any kind of fantasy or magic or just non-realistic movie. Mm -hmm. You have to be very clear about what the rules are and what they can and can't do. And I feel like both of these movies kind of failed that, Uh, where it was kind of like um, Nightmare on Elm Street, where you have this dream figure who can somewhat reach into the real world and kill people, Um, but it's through dreams, so don't fall asleep. Mm Mm-hmm very clear don't fall asleep don't dream or he can get you mm-hmm. uh th- those kind of rules didn't seem to be very clear in either Candyman, where he's like this mythical figure and sometimes he can reach into reality and sometimes he can't um if you say his name five times in a mirror he'll appear um but it's sometimes it's right away sometimes it's not and um with with Helen, especially in the first one, he can appear sometimes, but only when it's convenient for him, and he's kind of like seducing her into this trap. Um, and in the in the remake, it's like he can show up in reflections, and if you're also in eye line of this reflection, then he can harm you. Um, which you mentioned cinematography before, and um, it's brilliant in this movie, especially. I'm thinking of that scene in the art gallery where he mm-hmm. kills the art gallery owner and his yeah. intern slash girlfriend slash fuck yeah. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, it's all in reflection and um, it's brilliant because he's summoned by reflection, um, but it's never clear what exactly the rules are for how are you harmed and how can you avoid that harm? And I feel like they really need to make that clear in a horror movie before you begin.
0: Yeah, because it's not established how you can escape the Candyman. It's Mm. just, if you summon him, you will die. And it's like almost indiscriminately. And I
3: thought that was interesting,
0: but also, I guess the only way not to die is to not summon him. Yeah, it's almost like
2: as soon as you dip your toe into this, you're fucked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did appreciate it as a reverse vampire almost. Yeah. It's like you can't see him only in the reflection. That's the only way you could see him. Other than that, he's invisible. Yeah.
2: Um, and there, there's some great scenes with, um, the protagonist of the remake and how he interacts with, um, Sherman, I think his name is for who the Candyman is. Oh yeah. How he interacts with them in reflection. Um, there's this great scene where he's in uh this apartment slash condo complex. It's in the loop. We we call it the beehive because uh, that's what it looks like. Oh,
0: Marina City. Yeah. Yeah, by House of Blues. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, looks like a beehive. Shot up in Transformers. Y'all have seen it. Um, <laughs> and he's like interacting with this mirror, like one to one with Candyman. It's kind of in the middle of his transformation, so um, narratively it makes sense. Um, all that was brilliant. They're very creative with uh, how they presented the candyman and how he can interact with the world. It just didn't make sense to me as far as what the rules were and how do you actually stand a chance to survive if you even can.
0: Yeah,
2: and maybe that's part of the myth that you just mm-hmm. can't and you're you're boned. but that it, it, that kind of setup, it can be scary in the abstract, but it kind of deflates any kind of the tension within the movie itself. Mm if you know that like
0: nothing can be done. Right. So I guess moving from the mechanics of Candyman, I like what Candyman represents because like, um, the main character, he meets, uh, the actor Coleman Domingo who Mm -hmm. plays this laundromat owner. And I'm a stand for Coleman Domingo. I loved him (laughs) in fear of the walking dead, but like he really fleshed out the candy man because it's like the people like this group of people need the candy man because without the candy man, like people will not know of the struggle that we're going through at mm-hmm. Cabrini green. And I thought that was interesting. And like the ending of this movie, like really it left you with this idea of yeah, there's some obvious inequality happening within our city, but also in this country, because like this isn't the only case like this is one of many. But yeah, I, th- I just thought the ending, even though it's visceral, left you with something like to think about.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Couldn't agree more. They just got to get the police siren sound right. It was wrong. Yeah.
3: <laughs> was it wrong?
2: Yeah, in the beginning when um, the artist is, uh, like, scoping out Caprina Green for the first time, and um, there's a police car that kind of, like, patrols through the neighborhood and yeah. then, like, sounds off its siren and then
0: goes driving off. It's
2: the wrong siren sound. Drove me nuts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was it, like, like, a wee-woo? And, like, ours is, like, a... Yeah. yeah. Well, that's not cinematic.
3: Yeah, probably. I know. Seems, yeah.
2: there, that was probably a studio decision at some point. Um, kind of like at the beginning of Us, they had this text that was like, there's a million miles of underground tunnels mm-hmm. underneath America, and nobody knows what they do. Yep. Like, Buy it. Some studio exec yes. wrote that and put that in. Um, it's like
0: Blade Runner. Yeah. You need the narration. <laughs> they're like, audiences aren't going to get this. Yeah. Dumbs, that's what they're called. Deep yes. underground military bases. <laughs> Dumbs. Yeah. Um.
2: Felt like that for the police siren. It's like, it's not a Chicago police siren.
0: You know what took me out of it? What took you out of it? I mean, this probably because Northwestern didn't sign off on being (laughs) in this movie, but they call it River North Memorial Hospital.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that too. To people
0: outside of Chicago, there is no River North Memorial Hospital. No. There's Northwestern.
2: Yeah, but ain't no way Northwestern's signing off on this movie. Nope.
0: No way.
3: One uh, refreshing thing about this movie was the last movie that I watched that was based in Chicago was Rampage.
4: Mm. Oh, God.
3: Ter- I'm I'm sorry. It it's you had to Dwayne, bring it up. I had to bring it up. Do they punch the buildings and but people there- fall out? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um but there are scenes in that movie where it's like they're trying to like show off that Chicago and I'm watching it and I'm like, this is not Chicago. There is no open fields next to like <laughs> next to, next to Willis or Sears Tower, whatever you want to call it nowadays. It's like, oh my God. Which is why that was one thing that was in the back of my mind, which was refreshing. was like, I know this is set in Chicago. Is it going to feel like Chicago to, to me? And mm-hmm. it felt like Chicago 100%. If you want to know what Chicago is like, I was about a block away from
2: where I live. I was walking to Walgreens for something and then walking back. And on the way back, uh, this was right at the beginning of the summer of 2021. Um, so people are out. The stay at home order is lifted. People are enjoying the summer. Chicago's back, baby. And I saw a guy um, snorting a line of cocaine off the windshield of a car in bright daylight. What?
1: Chicago's mm-hmm. back, Out baby. In the open.
2: I'm like, amen, brother. I get <laughs> That's it. <what> <laughs> That's Chicago. Wow. Yeah, it is not <laughs> fields next to Sears Tower where. Wow! <laughs> where giant monsters do battle?
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, just people doing uh, white dust. On oh yeah, the windshield. That's not salt. Nope.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both men, very authentic, genuine Chicago films.
0: Yep. Yeah, and Jordan Peel, like his involvement, I thought was perfect. Like he was just the writer. Like he probably just punched it up, and. I think it's a it's a good little notch in his belt, right? Like it was it was a fantastic movie. He
2: <laughs> did not he did not direct or write this, but it still felt like it had his fingerprints all over it. Oh, and yeah. maybe that's where he's best. I don't know. Get Out was so good that I can't be like, oh, he should never direct or he should never write. Yeah, uh, but as good as Candyman was, I'm like, yeah, he should maybe he should, this is where he belongs.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think Nina DeCosta. I have to mention her name. She did a great job with this film. Mm-hmm. Fantastic job! I Absolutely. I, I don't think he. Had, I don't know if it was his decision or somebody else's decision to hire her to like help further develop it and further write it. But yeah, she did. She was perfect for this too. I think they're going to be a good match for hopefully future horror movies.
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect team of people.
3: Yeah. Is she a Chicago native? Do you know? Yeah. I'm not sure.
0: I'll look it up, but this,
2: the, the remake just felt so authentically, um, she was born in New York. Okay. That's interesting because like this, the, the remake felt like such an authentically black experience and a mm-hmm. authentically Chicago experience
0: that I'm like, some Chicago native is involved in this. I know. That's what I felt too. I was like, this feels real. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like an outsider looking in it feels like. Someone that knows the city made this movie. Yes, they, yep, they understand their neighborhood. They understand gentrification.
2: Um, they understand what the police situation in Chicago is like, um, and that's also another minor nitpick. At the beginning, they beat Candyman to death, and I'm
0: like, no, they would shoot him. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah, well, well, well this did involve kids. Because yeah. they believed he was killing kids or harming kids by putting the razor blades in the candy. So it's kind of yeah. like, we're going to fuck this dude up. Okay. So they that's would, my only reasoning uh, why they didn't. They shoot would be him. more
2: prone to beating him to death rather than shooting him as a kind of um, revenge kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. That. That's my head. Kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But moving from there. So where do we think. Jordan Peel's gonna go with his new film that comes out in twenty twenty two, Nope. Ooh, I love the I have... simple titles too. Mm-hmm. Get Same. out Us. Nope. Yeah. That's all you need.
3: I don't know. I I feel like it's gonna be a movie that or I'm gonna be saying a nope to a lot in my head. And like I said before with the earlier films, I think he's gonna lean more into horror with this one. Mm. I just have a feeling. I kind of have a feeling
0: would you like to unpack
3: that because you know get out you know dabbles into a little bit of horror us goes a little bit more further into it and I think with nope within the within that title like just trying to get inside his brain it's like okay obviously there's going to be a sequence or something like that where we're going to be thinking in our heads oh hell no mm-hmm. nope nope don't want to be in that situation so i'm just like okay i see a cloud I'm almost debating aliens, but I don't know. It could be something a little bit more like. I was a dog. I heard that.
2: <laughs> no, that was my stomach. Oh, was that? The... Oh, I'm having okay. too much sparkling water. Oh, no. <laughs> so therefore I blame Armand for this.
3: <laughs> I just feel like it could be either something, you know, I don't want to say alien related because that's uh, isn't that offensive now, according to what's her name? I can't remember.
0: Lori Lakefront? <laughs>
3: I was trying to the make a joke. The mayor of Chicago? He
0: was making a joke about, I forget who, I know who you're talking about. It was okay. somebody. Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato who oh, said we man. can't use aliens anymore. No, it's got to be they, extraterrestrials. They said oh, no. we can't talk about aliens because it's offensive. Oh. Yeah. So that's what they think.
3: Yeah. But nope hmm. could be nope could be a lot of, lot of things. I just think it's going to be, I think it's going to be scarier. I'm banking on it being scarier than some of his past works.
0: Here's an idea. So I'm looking at the poster right now. So it's a a storm cloud with like a string coming out of it. Here's my theory. That's a sperm. Oh. So maybe it has something to do with something with pregnancy. It it could be like a rosemary baby type situation or like a demon child. If you want to go full into supernatural horror, that could be a possibility. Um, but is I was it, looking at the cast. It stars Daniel kalula again. Okay. Um, Get Outs. Kiki Palmer, and Stephen Yoon. Hmm. Our yes. boy Glenn.
3: Oh, such a fan! Such a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Is he directing it?
0: Stephen Yoon? No, he's just starring in it. No. Jordan Peele? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is his next movie. Yeah. Written and directed, and produced. The Tommy Wiseau of horror.
4: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't oh, star in no.
0: it. he's not starring. Yeah,
2: imagine if he starred in his own movie that he wrote and directed and produced. Oh, god,
0: could be Citizen Kane of horror.
2: My, my th- uh, first of all, I know n- nothing about nope, so this is pure speculation. No one knows anything, yeah. There's okay. not good, even no, a good. synopsis. Yeah. Good. Um. Jordan Peele's whole filmography up to this point has been exploring the black experience in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. So let's, let's assume for the moment that this is some kind of alien extraterrestrial kind of movie. Um, it would probably, probably be explaining the black experience as far as how other they are and shoved to the margins and just treated as vastly different people. Um, and it's interesting what you said as far as this representing like sperm, because maybe there's like a fatherhood angle to that as well. Um, and the kind of well-documented, um, plight that the black community has been in as far as fatherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of different interesting angles to do there. And I'm sure he's got some bonkers concept that will uh, kind of frame the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Uh, that's probably my best guess, even though it's not much of a guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think if he continues the trajectory where he's talking about like the black perspective infused with horror, some sort of commentary Mm -hmm. and the poster kind of looks like a sperm, but a cloud with like this tether to it, that could be, something he could explore i don't know what exactly that could be i'm not him but i think it would be a good conversation starter if he were to explore that the yeah
3: and this also looks like a small isolated town it could be cult related too um, oh like it could be like like a rosemary's baby already but like a new couple moves in and like oh my god it's a town led by like this demonic maybe something i don't know could be led by something who knows it's just my brain starting to spin all the ideas
2: Mm. i think at the end of the day what jordan peele is trying to express to everybody is that just the everyday kind of living as a black person is a horror of itself Mm. and he's using these weird stories to kind of express that to people who may not have that experience to be like, yeah, this is how it's like, this is how it feels. Uh, being a black man in America today or a black woman or whoever. Yeah. Um, it's a horror all its own.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, whatever it ends up being, Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to it. So shall we get yeah. to the final segments of this director spotlights? Which is, so I'm going to propose a question. We're all going to get off the fence. So, is Jordan Peele an auteur of cinema? Is he a visionary or is he just another director? Do you think his movies will stand the test of time? And do you think he is worthy of being heralded as, like, you know, one of the greats in cinema?
1: In cinema, no. But in his in his box, yeah.
0: What I, is his box?
1: I don't know. I think he has his own brand that is really well expressed in Get Out. Mm. And we got a little bit of that in Us. And that's what I missed from Twilight. So I hope we get more of his personality from Get Out in his future stuff. And if so... Then, yeah, I think he'll be remembered as, like, this unique perspective, this unique um, person in history that gave us some great content.
3: I think he's already down as someone who's going to be remembered of all time, especially for Get Out. Well, just as comedy.
1: I think right now that's the thing is, like, everyone will remember him from comedy. So what does he want, horror or comedy? Like.
3: Yeah. Well I'm a uh, I'm gonna always for forever remember him from Keanu, so which is mm. one of the greatest Stoner movies of all time, not gonna lie. <laughs> sure. Um which he produced, I believe. Yeah, and wrote. Yeah. And wrote, okay. Yeah. And um I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, he he'll forever be known for comedy, but I think he's gonna be known for more of like his uh his movies like Get Out. Mm-hmm. I think if he starts creating more movies like that, absolutely, he's absolutely going to be... uh, a, a, What was the weird that you said again? tour? A, a, yeah. A visionary? He's going to be a visionary. Yeah. I think he's going to be a visionary.
4: Hmm.
3: And that's just a fanboy or a fangirl in me <laughs> talking, to. I'm forever impartial to him. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> How
2: about you, Aaron? I don't want to have just... Um, unqualified praise for him um because there there are certainly short spots um in uh, things like us or the twilight zone that prove that he's not just a miracle worker that can do whatever's handed to him um but i think we're we're kind of at the same point in his career that someone like tarantino was with pulp fiction um Uh where Now we know that like a Tarantino or Scorsese um, has that kind of strong singular voice and creative vision that they can do whatever comes their way, whatever they want to do, they'll be able to do. And it will be authentic to themselves in a way that is unmistakable from any other kind of director out there. I don't think we're quite there yet with Jordan Peele, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think.
1: Yeah, he needs one more big hit. Yeah, But then it would be great to have him in that category like Tarantino where they're uniquely, they can just give be given money and just be you, create mm-hmm. what, you, what is you. Yeah. yeah, and
2: you mentioned his box earlier. I'm not so sure he's found that, that as box, his box branding.
1: yet. I just meant that yeah. as his branding. Mm-hmm. His brand. I yes. think he has a unique brand that is crystal clear And Get Out, mm-hmm. somewhat lost in us, and that needs to come back with Nope.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm not sure he's found his box yet, and I think... And maybe that ends up being his niche is that you can't fit him into any different kind of box um, because we have with Get Out, we which we all love. We have him in the box as a writer, director, producer kind of person. And then when he takes a step back into strictly producing and maybe writing, um, you know, he's had some success there, but it's not a smash hit. Um, and then what we also have to take into account is this whole new world of streaming. Yeah. When you have the twilight zone which is like just locked behind CBS all access mm-hmm. um it, it, it maybe that kind of aborted his success before he could have actually had it. Um so he's he, he's very much he's he shares this, the same DNA as like a Tarantino or Scorsese, but he's in this new kind of media environment and I think the proof of his success is going to be how he Manages to navigate that minefield in a way that say Tarantino or Scorsese didn't have to.
0: Right. Yeah. It's an interesting way to look at it. And for me, I think you are right. It is too early to tell whether or not he is going to be remembered in cinema. But I think so far he's been presenting the right questions in his art. And I mean that's what I believe art is. It's a conversation mm-hmm. he had. And his conversations that he's starting are fresh for cinema. So if he keeps on doing well in his career, then he's gonna be heralded as Tarantino or Scorsese. So I I wish him the best. I'm I'm really hoping Nope is gonna be awesome and More like get outs while pushing the horror uh, genre. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, But I think he's, if he's not there, then he's pretty damn close to being a visionary. Yes. Time will tell.
3: Yeah. I mean, he did win an Oscar already. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He (laughs) He could just stop. (laughs) He could. He could. Just quit while you're ahead. Yeah, but he yeah. has a
0: curse of creativity he must create. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Jordan Peele. Please check out his films where they are available. And now I'm going to take a moment to thank my guests for coming on to the show. Aaron, Rudge, Doug, thank you. This was awesome. It yeah, a pleasure. Thank you, Armand, for putting this together. hmm on the spookiest
2: of months. Yes, it was is. Uh, is quite the treat. Um, if nothing else, just the excuse to see all of Jordan Peele's movies. If that's what it takes to get me to see these fine films, then I'll accept it any time. Awesome.
3: Agreed. All right.
0: If you want to hear more of Aaron, please check him out on his podcast, WSTR Galactic Public Access. Yes, a Star Wars podcast.
2: Indeed, we've got some great episodes coming up so to make sure you don't miss out on those find us
0: on the sto- on the socials or hit us up at wstrmedia.com There you go And if you want to see more of Doug, he's on Twitch one, playing the best horror video games.
3: I try. I get scared very easily and I jump so much.
0: <laughs> awesome And where can they find you?
3: Wow, it's a pop chart with an underscore between Wow and its. <laughs> nice
0: fantastic <laughs> but if you would like to keep this conversation going please add us on your favorite social media platform at syndicate that is c-i-n-e-d-i-c-a-t-e syndicate on instagram twitter and Letterboxd. have discord feel free to join the growing film community there at syndicate.com forward slash discord where you'll catch myself along with other podcasters and listeners talking about this title as well as many others and if you have any questions, please send us a message at infosyndicate.com at or visit the website syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll, spend more time watching. Goodbye. <laughs>